get ready. Yeah. Y'all ready for some live shit? Welcome. Welcome to the D, baby. It's all live down here. What you see is all real. What up, dude? What up, dog? Welcome to the 30th installment of yes. What Up Dope Podcast. Our episodes are now fully grown adults. Right. We, yeah, I feel like we're we're uh, we're established now. Although I don't think we get the hits and attention that it deserves, but I think we're still 30 podcasts is a lot. Yeah, it's, it's dope, man. I'm kind of like happy about that because like 30 episodes, that's a lot, man. And that's uh, what uh. It's like seven and a half months, man. That's a, that's what was that, like time. May? I, I just May? said seven and a half months is 30 weeks is seven and a half months. Yeah, so, yeah. Man, so like, that's, that's crazy, man. From something that was like, I remember like the initial, I still remember the initial like brainstorming of a podcast. It was like, I don't know what made me say that, what made me say that I definitively want to do this, but there was some moment where I was like, you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time. Let's just make it happen. And I was thinking, like, okay, who... Were we, were we, like, in La Casa talking about this shit or something? I feel like it, like... I feel like it started online. Like, I... I yeah, it, there was some Facebook post that I made where I was like, I want to do this for real, for real. And then I remember saying, like, I felt like that you would be the best person to do it with just because a mixture of um, good personalities and availability. Because I know right. there's a lot of people who are available that I wouldn't want to do it with and people who I would also want to do it with who aren't available. So I was like, I, I feel like it would be a good mix. And I was like, you seen like your, your interest in it was pretty strong whenever that post happened. And I was like, you know, fuck it, let's do it. Like it don't even like cost us no real money to do this shit. So I'm like, let's fucking do it. Yeah. I remember I m- m- remember seeing other people post, you know, they were doing podcasts. I remember researching it and it was a couple of sites that were just so, that wasn't user friendly as far as how to do podcasts and so forth. So now that we do it, I'm like, shit, it's super easy. Like, I mean, the we, process is like, you know. Once we decided we were going to do it, that shit was real fast. It was like, all right, let's get this little cheap ass microphone off right. of uh, off of Amazon. Off of Amazon, and, and uh, that's really like we, we you you had the um the audacity uh program or whatever and, and, and it was quick dog like in like that first episode it sounds a little raggedy compared to how it sounds now but yeah, I think we've improved leaps and bounds from uh, our first couple of episodes I think we could improve more if we were like more diligent about it like if we felt like we needed to well I think like we had like we were, we had all the sounds of like the crickets and shit and the airplanes right. flying and because we started in good weather so we we were sitting outside and it was like it was it was totally different. It's like now we sit, not I don't want to say indoors, but like you know now we're not sitting club, outside. Club lay garage, yeah, club <laughs> and up though, <laughs> right? Club went up though. That's exactly what it is. Club went up though. Yeah, but I think the next in uh, the newer year is gonna, you know, I think it's gonna push us to uh, to 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 record it better. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to to more posts and so forth. So this should yeah. be cool. This should be this should be real cool. Um, so. I can't wait to episode fifty two. Like we done this for a year now. Oh, that's gonna be dope as fuck. I, I don't know if it'll technically be episode fifty two because we missed 
like it's been kind of joint. It's been kind of disjointed how we've done it with uh, every now and like I think it was like maybe like one period we might have missed a week or you know with one of us going out of town it was a little weird. So I don't know. Episode fifty two will be a year. Maybe episode fifty one or fifty three. I, I think it'll be, we could just. I mean, since well, we, we since just we brought it up, up as fifty two. Just have fifty two as the marker for like you know. Uh, uh, um, I guess the episode of accomplishment. I guess we could just look it up. Like whatever, we could just scroll down and see when when we posted episode one. <laughs> I like to say it was like mid May or something, or late May or sounds about right. Some shit like that. I know. I, I remember it being May for some some odd reason, uh, mid May or some shit like that. So, but anyway, uh, we have a good number of topics. We Which kinda, is considerably more than we had when we started. Cause yeah, we really did start. When we I had, first got here, we had zero topics. Like so. Like, I had a couple of things that I thought about, and I've been meaning to jot down. Um, but as I was sitting here, you know, a lot of shit came came to mind. Um, uh, I I think we need to to uh, get back to our unsponsored uh, drinks and smokes, because next year, I'm really pushing to get a, a sponsor uh, for our Kessler's gonna fucking sponsor us. I don't give a fuck what we gotta do because now we're we're so we we talked about uh, in many of the podcasts how we started you know uh, we we drink the whiskey Kessler and now we have it's it's only certain stores that that has it so it's not it's almost like a a chase every week to try to find out because the one store that's near us we've bought it all. <laughs> Like we bought all of their supplies. <laughs> it sounds funny, but it's true. Yeah, like they literally. I feel like we are we are the only people who have bought Kessler from this place, and like they are fresh out. So yeah, we we bought it all. The store I went to today, I had to uh, go to the liquor. Like I was at the counter trying to search for it, and it was like on the bottom shelf, way <laughs> from the cashier. So I guess I'm like, yeah, let me get a fifty Kessler. He's like, oh, Kessler. Like, you know, he sold that shit in. And I had to point him to where it was and shit. And he had... He's, like, reaching for the ladder and shit. Right, like, right. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, no, no, no. no it's right there by your ankle, player. Ne- next to the other... Yeah, right, exactly. You might kick it over there, but, you know, so... But, yeah, we, we definitely got to get get it. Because I swear we got to be the only... Like, from what I understand, it's really big with bars as far as well uh, whiskey. But, I don't know. It's good whiskey, and I'll never get hangovers from it, so... It's right. always the plus of me, so. And then we got, um, we got our cigars that we smoke in general, and, like, I just recently got a follow from, um, the owner of Drew Estates, which is, uh, a cigar company that makes all, all of our the, favorite cigars. All of the good shit. Yeah, all of our, all the good shit. So, all the shit that we like. And, uh, the, the proprietor of, of that company just followed me on Twitter, so I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna push that. Like we're smoking a, a Drew Estates uh, cigar tonight, the Tayback, and uh, one of probably both of our absolute favorites. We love the Tayback, and uh, and Drew Estates just kills the game, man. Like whether it's infused cigars or not, they kill it. So, cause they make lagers. Yep. Yeah. So they make the lager provider. The Undercrown. They, they make the Undercrown. So, yeah, definitely uh, good shit. So, so Sundays is usually. Uh, Stressful for at least me and Mike, uh, or any other people that c- claim to be a Detroit sports fan. So, you know, was sitting on. I left the house to go watch the game, and I'm at the bar, and 
whole bar is just full of fucking Lions fans. And it's like so what fucking... What bar is this? I was just a starters. Okay. So the whole bar is just full of fucking fans and shit. And sitting there watching and, you know... These motherfuckers cannot win easy. Like, it's always some bullshit, dude. Like, I, it's, like last week was probably the easiest win I think we've had in a while. But it's like never fucking easy, dude. We're sitting there, man. Everybody's fucking stressed. People sitting there with their hands over their head. I mean, the only plus is that, you know, people just kept buying shots and shit. People trying to drink their fucking sorrows away. But, I mean, luckily, we pulled out with the win. But We had two straight, what, 34-17 games. Mm-hmm. And I think those are, are the two easy wins we've had this year. The other eight have all been stressful. All, man. Every last one has been stressful. So, but we, we uh, closed out... Uh, Eight and one at home, no seven and one at home. Excuse me. And that the thing that confused me is is like the, the whole playoff scenario because uh, Green well Green Bay was leading leading uh, our our division as of uh, up until today. They lost, which is good, which helps us. We won, which ties us. But we have the tiebreaker, so technically, if the season was to end today, we would be first place in our division. Right. Um, but since it doesn't end today, we still have more games to play. Uh, and we play Green Bay. And we play Green Bay the last game. And we play... So we we play Green Bay the last game. Next week we play Chicago, which should be another win as well. But Green Bay plays Tampa Bay next week, which would probably be a win for them as well. So, Whereas our ability to win in Chicago is a big question mark. Right. Like we should win that right. game. Like we, we should have blew, blew fucking the Vikings out, but... I mean, I think the Vikings are better than Chicago and Tampa Bay, so I would I would agree with that. So, but they're better than they were when we beat them earlier in the season. In short, we can lose one game and potentially make the playoffs. Uh, we went out, we definitely make the playoffs. That's we went out, we win the division, and we, we win the, the playoffs, the, and which means we get a bye, right? Not See, necessarily. Now it's, it's, yeah, now it gets crazy now. So. So we so we went out. We beat Green Bay. We beat Chicago. We make the playoffs for certain, but I don't know what the scenario is for not getting the bye. We may not get the bye, but if we win the division, we're definitely getting a home game. Okay. And then I think what determines the bye will be well. What determines the bye is the first two seeds. So the first two seeds get a bye. The issue is going to be um, Dallas just beat. Uh, Philadelphia tonight. So Dallas is the same record that we do. So if if let's just say Dallas wins out and we win out. So both of us finish twelve and four and they win the division, I believe that Dallas would own the tiebreaker over us because I believe wait, did we play Dallas this year? No, I don't think we played nah. Wait, no, we played Dallas. No, we played on Thanksgiving, right? That was Dallas? Was that Dallas? Fuck, dude. Now nah, I gotta look now, but I don't it doesn't sound familiar. I, I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. Part of me feels like we played that. No, I don't think we played Dallas this year. No, we played Tampa Bay for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't think we played Dallas this year. Uh, but, um, okay, so the first tiebreaker in all sports is always the head-to-head matchup. So, we haven't played Dallas this year. So, uh, there's no tiebreaker for that. My understanding, what I think is the case, is that the second tiebreaker is road record. I thought the second tiebreaker was division record, in which case the Lions would own the tiebreaker because the Lions have not lost 
in, in the, the division. division. And if we went out, then that will be the case. Why we'll the be- fuck is it road lo- road wins though? That's so fucking. That's not. That's- that I, I I don't know, but. The purpose of that is that Dallas is undefeated on the road. They're, right. They're, like, I would think home wins would be more of a, a decided factor versus road, road wins, but, yeah, whatever. So, um, if, if road wins is the second is the second tiebreaker, then Dallas would, would own it because Dallas is not lost on the road. Right. So, in that scenario, Dallas would get the number two seed, and we would get the number three seed, in which case we would have to play, but we'd be at home. If... Uh, if we don't tie with Dallas, or Dallas don't win out, or whatever Philly Philly or Philly wins that division, whatever the case may be, uh, we would get the number two seed. So the the scenario in which we get the number two seed would be we win out, and Dallas does not win their division, or Dallas does, or Dallas wins their division but has a, a lesser record than us. Okay, I got you. That's that I believe is is <clears throat> is my understanding of how we get the number two seed. Although I, I do believe that Seattle plays Arizona next week, so I think there's a scenario in which Seattle could get the number one seed, and okay. if we tie with Arizona, Arizona would own the tiebreaker over us for having beaten us uh, four weeks ago, three or four three weeks ago. So the scenario in which we get the in which we get a bye is I think kind of unlikely, but. If we win the division, we get a home game because the the fourth seed is not going to get a home game because the the Falcons division or whatever, and they're all well under five hundred. So whoever wins that division ain't getting a home game regardless. So we we'll get a home game if we win the division, but the bye is still up in the air. And it's crazy because as you know, being Lions fans, I think people will probably just like fuck. You get in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if you fucking get a bye week or a bye fucking game or not. But I'm like, I mean, I think we if it, we if we went out, I think we deserve. Uh, but it's 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 not, the, the, you know, solely dependent on that. So that's crazy to potentially finish twelve and four and not not get that first round bye. But and for me, it's just the issue of like it just be cool to have it just because like the Lions ain't ain't never had no first round bye that I've. Experienced, I, I, so I don't. I don't think it's. I don't. I, I just don't think it's happening. Well, but. I know they finished twelve and four in ninety one, but I don't know if they got a buy. I just know that's the year that they lost to the Redskins in the NFC Championship. Right. So I don't know if they had a buy in that in that first round because I was what nine years old. So I don't know. But that I I just really want the first round. I don't. I don't even necessarily want the first round buy, but I. I really, really, really want the home game if we don't get the first round by. Right. And we need to win the division to get that. So, I want to win the division. But that's going to be contingent upon winning in Lambeau. And winning in Lambeau is a fucking tough-ass feat. Yeah. I mean, and right Especially now, with so much on the line and Green Bay haven't had... Green Bay been there before. We ain't played in a game that mattered on the last... week. The week seventeen and a game that mattered, we ain't we ain't really done that, especially for the division. We haven't done that, so uh, I'm I'm concerned about that game because I feel like Green Bay's been there before, and we're gonna be looking like this is huge for us and all the pressure and all that shit. And Green Bay is just gonna be like, uh, well, we know what yeah. we need to do, especially since they just lost this week. You know, they're gonna fucking I I hate well hate to be Tampa Bay next week because they're gonna pound their ass, Paul. <laughs> um, and then you know they, they play us, and they know they know you know the last game. And for a lot of teams, the last game typically is not; it doesn't have that much at stake. 
Right. Um, but for us and Green Bay, it means tons. So it's gonna be know. it's gonna be big regardless. Now I wonder if there's any way that either us can get eliminated from that game. Like, I don't know if there's any way Green eliminated from playoff contention. I don't think so. Unless we lose next week and lose. Right. Yeah. If we lose next week and lose that game. But like. So. If I think. I I mean. I don't know for sure. And I'm not going to look it up now. But I imagine that if. I would guess. That if we win next week. We should clinch a playoff spot. I I think we need one more to clinch. I think we need one more win. Whether it's next week or. The following week. To clinch a playoff spot. Whether that's. Wild card or division, but I right. think it, if we win outright, we'd be division. Um, the interesting thing about that too, which we discussed before we started recording, is the idea that the NFC, uh, what is it, the NFC South that Atlanta's the in, crappy, yeah, the shitty division. If you win the division, you will get the higher seed, but I think you don't get the home field if your record is inferior. So if we play. If we finish the five seed and we play the four seed, which will be whoever wins that division, even though they will be the higher seed, I still think we get home field. So we would get a home game in that in that scenario, I believe. Okay. So yeah. that would be that would be dope. I wouldn't mind playing Atlanta or Carolina or something like that at home in a playoff game. That would be that'd be a game that we should win. If it's the Saints, I'd be concerned. But if it's Atlanta or Carolina, I like our odds. Yeah, that would be interesting, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to it, though. So. Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of different scenarios that can play out, but it works out best for us if we get this win next week in in Chicago. We get this win next week in Chicago, we should be in pretty good shape regardless. So, but I, I, my hope is to win the division. I, I, I've, you know, when we went 12 and 4 in 91, I was only moderately paying attention as a kid. So I kind of feel like if we win the division, this will be like the first time they won the division in my lifetime. So that's a big deal to me. I would really, really love to see that. And I saw a lot of tweets. I mean, we we talked about it, and I've seen a lot of tweets about how ugly our ten and four record is. How we've had to like uh, just like struggle. Like these wins have been like so tense and whatnot. And like I th- I feel like it's kind of progressed from like an ugly ten and four. To a respectable ten and four because of the fact that people always say like you know good teams always find a way to win and we always find a way to win yeah. like there's a lot of games that we should have won well not a lot because we only lost four but like the two games where we didn't score a touchdown the the Buffalo game and the Arizona, Arizona game. game those two games are games you can look like we should have won those games especially so we only lost about like two I think to uh, Buffalo Buffalo's fourteen sixteen or some crazy yeah. shit like that. Yeah, so, like, those two games, like, you can look at it like, we should have won those games. But, like, you can look at the game. There's a multitude of games that we won that we could have lost. Like, that Atlanta game, we could have lost. We should have lost that game. Like, there's some games we should have lost. So, like, the idea that the the fact that we've, like, managed to eke out wins in bad situations this late in the season, to me, is actually kind of a good sign. Fuck yeah. Like, that's not, like... Yeah, today's win was like mad ugly, and we should have whooped on Minnesota. But the I fact mean, that we still managed to win end, and we continuously managed to win—that's a good sign. And and winning at the end of the season, like that's that's something I've always said about the Spurs. Well, and that's what happened to us last year that we couldn't. That after the first half of the season, we fucking tanked. 
Right. And we couldn't fucking win the game. So, I mean, no, I mean, as, as diehard fans that we are, you know, it would be uh, wild for us to sit here and say that, you know, the Lions this year is a great team. It's a good team, but they still do fundamental fuck-ups and shit. And, you know, those are the things that separate, you know, good teams from great teams. You know, you watch a team like uh, New England, you know. They, kind of the, they are the perfect example, especially yeah. last season. Right. New England right. had so many injuries. They didn't have Gronk. Like, they – but somehow – Tom Brady had the worst season in his career last year, but they still managed to win every week, man. Like, New England just managed to win. And, like, that's kind of how I look at the Lions right now. Like, they just managed to win. And, like, you can't really, at a certain point, when a team is, like, say, you know, 5-2 and or 6-3 and or something, you say, like, well, they just managed to win. It's kind of like, oh, these have been ugly wins, so I don't know how confident I am in my team. But when there's only two games left in the season, you're 10-4, and it's kind of like, okay, we got to kind of stop looking at it like we just eked out these wins or these are ugly wins. The, the way it is, like, man, we, we nah. managed to find a way to win yeah, every week, you, you and win. that's a big deal. Yeah, I think, you know, when you get to a – I think a, a, a one of the, I guess, categorizations of a, a good team is to win the games you're supposed to win. You yeah, know, it's not a great team, one. but a good team, you win the games you're supposed to win. And, you know, uh, the last two – or the two losses that we had had, you know, in Arizona and um, – Buffalo. No, Green Bay. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, New England. Those are. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are you know team. Those are games that we kind of thought we would lose, and you know, but you mark those off. You know, so those are two that you know we kind of figured that we might take L's in, but the two before that we should have won those. You know, so but I think we progressed even from that first half of the season to now. So it'd be cool, man. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to. Uh, we won games that coming into the season that I marked off as losses. Which one? A few like like coming into the season like uh I let me just pull up the um pull up the uh I just had the schedule. Like okay, so coming into the season Okay, so the Giants, we didn't really know how the Giants were gonna be coming into this season. Uh the Packers game that week three anytime we play the Packers, I think like we probably gonna lose. Right. <laughs> so so that one was uh big the the one for me that was huge was the Saints win. Uh, what is this? Uh, October nineteenth. One, two, three, four. Oh yeah, we won about one. So yeah. yeah, the the seventh game of the season. That to me was like was the turning point. Like not the turning point, but that to me was huge. Like like that was definitely one that I put as an L coming into the year. Mm-hmm. And like winning that game, especially in comeback fashion against Drew Brees and the Saints, like that was big, man. And like beating the Packers, that was big. We've held our – and the fact that we're undefeated in the division, that's huge, man. That's, that's huge shit. And it doesn't really matter how it happens. Just, nah, you get a W, you get a W. It don't matter how, how fucked up it is. Or not. We said the back-to-back losses were the Bills and the Cardinals, but it was the Cardinals and the Patriots was our back-to-back losses. Yeah, yeah. Aaron we got spanked by the Patriots. Yeah, it was just an asshole. <laughs> it wasn't even close to that. I don't know why I have this disdain for fucking Patriot fans, especially Patriot fans that are not from fucking New England. They fucking irk the shit out of me. Because I feel like yeah. it's not, not necessarily the Patriots per se, but I feel like it's so easy to be a fan of teams that always win or have a track record for winning. Like there's no push to be a to like be a fan of those teams to me, it seems that's, like. That's that's disgusting, man. I hate that shit. People who are fans of perpetually good teams. Yeah. Like if you're a Yankee even Yankees fans irritate me because I'm like, you're in New York, you could theoretically be a Mets fan. 
But like to just like be a Yankees fan, it's just so easy. And you don't get I don't think any Yankees fan could ever get the gratification of being a Yankees fan that you could get from being a fan of a team that's not a perpetual winner. Right. Like I don't think a Yankees fan could ever feel as good about winning a World Series as I felt about the Pistons winning in 2004. Like there's no way because like you you it's it's you can't even compare that shit. Like a, as a Yankees fan, you expect to be good every year. In 2004, I didn't expect the Pistons to win the championship. I thought like in 2004, the Pistons were really good and they they made the Rasheed trade and then they 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 kind of took off. But even going into the playoffs, I never thought going into the playoffs that we were going to get a championship. Like, that was, like, completely so far-fetched to me. And then the fact that they played a Lakers team in the finals, that it, like, Fuck that yeah. it purchased purchased superstars to for the purpose of winning a championship, and they still won. Like, like winning in 2004, like, I don't think any Yankees fan could ever feel that way. So, like, that's a, that's a very, a very shitty kind of fandom to me. So I got like I said, I don't I don't I don't like people like that, man, who are Patriots fans or who aren't from New England or people who are Yankees fans or Yankees fans in general, because you could be a Mets fan, but you know right. fans of these teams that are just like perpetually good, like you, how hard is it to be a fan of a team that wins all the time? How right. much can you can you really care when they just right. win every week? Yeah. You have to go through them losses and shit and them shitty seasons to get the ultimate gratification of a championship. Right. It's like someone commented on I I was I think I was, I had tweeted about uh the whole Pets fan or just, you know, team that win and then somebody uh I think it was Johnny he he had tweeted somebody asked me, is there any prize for root for the other dog? And I was like, not really. But it's definitely you, you go through a, a a bigger struggle of, you know, teams that, that are not supposed to win that do win. Versus team that always win and they do win, you know. So, yeah, I mean, what it comes down to is like you will never. There's only a, a moderate amount of joy you can feel for cheering for a team that wins all the time when that team wins, as opposed to cheering for a team that loses most of the time and then that team starts winning. It's a completely kind of it's a completely different kind of joy, and like that. So it's not about cheering for the underdog. It's about that payoff. And, and, and about loyalty, because like I, I've always said, I mean, I might take it too seriously, but I say like, how much, how much can I trust you as a loyal person if you don't, <laughs> if you don't cheer for your home team? Like, I'm gonna feel like I, I'm gonna feel like I can't really trust you. Period. Like, you're not a loyal motherfucker if you if you don't cheer for your home team. I, I can see that. Yeah, I, I'm with that. I'm a little overboard with it, but I don't know. To me, that's just mad disloyal hey, to be from somewhere that has professional team and you cheer for a different team. Especially with the team that wins all the time. So, I'm yeah. with that. So, uh, and other other topics, I'm going I'm to go down and say... So, D, the D.C. protests. So, there was a protest in D.C. Um, that was held by the National Action Network, which... From my understanding, oh, has, so that's what that stood for. Yeah, I, had to I saw that acronym all the Man. time. And I was like, I don't know who that fuck. I right. don't know who the fuck that is. Right, right. And which is, I believe, is affiliated with uh, Al Sharpton. And I believe someone that of his name, man, someone of his namesake, kind of leads it. I don't know if it's a daughter. I know it's a woman, but I don't know who exactly. So they had a, 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 a I guess, a protest there, and 
from what my understanding was, you had a couple of people from um, Ferguson that were there that were like some of the more the spearheads of like the uh, whole Ferguson protest. Like um, this is one girl on Twitter name is I think it's Netta, but it's a whole bunch of A's after it. I don't yeah, know yeah, how yeah. many, whatever. It's, I've seen it somehow. Yeah. Um, her and there's a couple of other people, but from what I read, basically the the NAN group and people there was really just commercializing the protest. Like they was trying to like be real PC about shit. Like, you know, they were, you know, pushing this whole all lives matter and justice for all shit and they were doing shit like they had they had a a, a VIP area yeah, for that. fucking protesting and shit like that and then they wouldn't let uh the 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 spearhead people from Ferguson speak like it was it was what it's you it man it's YouTube's and vines that you know they went on stage they was trying to take the mics from them like they wouldn't let them talk or whatever and they was trying to you know tell them that it's not one the message that you're giving is so fucking general and it's not the message that we've been pushing and they were just so it was so fucked up dude I, I just one a, a VIP protest just really threw me the fuck off like there's no fucking there's there's no one better than one person that's supposed to be protesting. If anybody protests, anybody protests. That's kind of like when... How do uh, you determine a VIP for protesting? Exactly. What it, it's probably all these fucking figureheads, like Bobblehead Sharpton and, you know what I'm saying, shit like that. It, and, it, and it's kind of similar to when, when, uh, when Mike Brown, when they had Mike Brown's funeral, they had a fucking a section roped off of fucking celebrities. Right. I thought that was the fucked up shit ever. Like... The people that should be there should be the people that know him, not these fucking bullshit ass celebrities that's coming to you know show their face for fucking you know publicity and shit. No, right. it should be their the people. If it's gonna be a VIP of people at a, or oh, it wasn't actually a VIP section at the funeral, but it was a, a reserve section. If it's gonna be a reserve section, that should be for his fucking family and friends, not you know some fucking celebrities coming there for the sake of you know whatever the fuck they're doing. So. But yeah, it was it was real crazy, man. They they just wasn't they was they were commercializing. I think the the movement, you know, they was they were showing up, you know, a bunch of stuff. You you had tweeted about you know they making cal- calendars and shit. You know, people just trying to profit off the whole movement. And I just think, man, I I think it's bad to say it, but I believe that this whole I can't breathe movement, the whole. This whole movement is becoming so commercial. It has, and it's like, for instance, just the the whole shirts thing is so like. I think I don't think only reason I think I I dislike the like teens and stars doing it is because I think it's watering down the message. Right, like it's just going to become a. a a cool thing to do. Like, no one really right. cares that, you know, a man's life was lost and that was his last words, you know. And that was really the meaning of, you know, that, you know, people bringing that up. But now it's just, you know, cool to... It, it comes cool off like a nigga's PR agent was like, hey, you should wear these shirts. Yeah, yeah. It'd be a good look for you. Yeah, it'd be a good look. Yeah, you know, and I, I can appreciate a lot of the stars doing it, but I think it's going to become commercial. And I don't know how you stop it because, I, I mean... And one aspect you want people to 
to be aware of it. So it's good that they're doing it for you know awareness. And stuff right. Like that. Yeah. But it's it's. It's a part of it that people are you just making it commercial just one of the you know it's it's I don't know I'm torn dude I, yeah I, it's it's conflicting because you feel like part of you is like it's good that these celebrities and stars are are bringing awareness to the shit but at the same time it comes off like like you said like commercialized so I, I yeah I get that I feel the same way man it's like it's very conflicting and I know part of what I know one of the things that irritates me is the whole idea of like. Uh, these these people who are are taking it and using it for uh, financial gain. Like I said, that was my problem with the fucking poster and shit. Because I'm like, a poster ain't gonna help shit, dog. Like it's like you really out here, you really out here just trying to make this ten dollars off this poster, man. And one one thing that really bugs me, and I'm a like. You know, say this on the air, man. These people who tweet this All Lives Matter shit, man, fuck you, dog. You a piece of shit. Because you fucking up the message and you fucking it up publicly to a lot of people. Because the All Lives Matter shit is making it sound like Black Lives Matter is about saying only Black Lives Matter. And it's not about that. No, no it one ever like said only. Yeah, but that's, that's what All Lives Matter suggests. It's like, okay... Black Lives Matter. No, it's not Black Lives. It's all lives matter. And the idea of behind Black Lives Matter isn't saying that only Black Lives Matter. The idea is saying, hey, we matter too. Mm-hmm. Like, don't treat us like shit. Black Lives Matter too. Like, yeah, everybody else lives matter, and so do black people. But like, people are acting like Black Lives Matter is like uh, only black people. Like, it's like it's putting the focus on black people and making it so that other people don't matter. And that's not the point. So these people who are who are tweeting the All Lives Matter shit? They got the they got the movement, the point all fucked up, and they're killing it. They're killing it because if they have like a substantial amount of followers, like if it's a, if it's a celebrity or some shit, you fucking up everything, man. You tweeting your bullshit, your your uninformed bullshit to all your hundreds of thousands of followers, and you killing a movement, man. And yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not a fan of it. My thing is if if All Lives really matter. All lives would have mattered way before now. If like, all lives mattered, we, we, we wouldn't be right. in this situation if all lives your, mattered. Your, your, your movement would have been pushing way before now. It wouldn't have took, you know. It wouldn't even be a movement. We wouldn't even be in this position if well, all yeah, lives mattered. Right, exactly. Like, you know, we just came out and said, you know, if, if people were coming out and saying, you know, everybody should be treated equal, you know, blah, 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 as you say, a lot of this shit wouldn't even be where it is. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so the, the fact that that even, you know, if all lives matter, it would have mattered before now. And like right. I say, and it's not saying uh, other lives don't matter. It's just right now that's what we're talking about. You know, we need to let course. y'all know that Black Lives Matter because apparently of, of course. You, I, of you course, don't think that, right? Of course, I'm not going to say, and I don't think anybody anybody else has the sentiment of, you know, once y'all figure out that niggas is important, let's just start doing this to Mexicans. Like, no, it shouldn't happen to nobody. You right. know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to push us off to like it has to. Now that we got our black people, let's put it on, you know, Koreans or, you know, whatever the case it is. Everybody should be able to get a fair shake at, at justice, period. But, right, the the, the 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 point people are making now, and, you know, blacks don't have a fair shake at, when it comes to law enforcement. Koreans ain't getting killed by the police for no reason and getting away with it. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I kind of felt, you know... I I I just been feeling real crazy about that, and then especially since we've had you know a few protests in Detroit, 
And it's kind of what I was talking to you about before. It's like, and this is, I just don't know how to feel. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know, like, what, I just don't know what to do. <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I feel that these protests they're, they're, they're having are like, are ill-planned. And they don't have a, excuse me, people just want to show up and show up. And then what do you do next? Like, I just feel like it has to be some kind of form of action. Like, after we protest and we go home, and then we get up the next morning, shit's still fucked up. Where do we, we need to be, it need to be some kind of, something more. We've I don't had, know what the fuck it's supposed to be. The crazy thing is, we've had this discussion, like, like we just said, this is episode 30, it's been seven and a half months. We've had, we had the what do we do discussion so many times, and we had a long time ago, back when... The Trayvon Martin shit popped when we had when we were doing the podcast. Right. We, we've had the discussion like, okay, what do we actually do? Because having a protest and having a march, I've said a million times, like that's not going to change people how people feel. Like if, if 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 white people feel like black lives are less valuable and that and cops feel like they can do whatever the fuck they want, having protests ain't going to change shit. They're not going to just all of a sudden not be racist. Like so, it's like, what do we do to make it so that things are different? And all these things, like cameras and putting cameras on police officers, all that shit is, is like a band aid. Because what it really boils down to, it, we you can put cameras on all the police officers. That's not gonna make a police officer feel like a black person is any less of a threat or any less dangerous or any less black. Like it's I mean, not gonna change that. So how do we change the perception of black people among other races? And protest ain't gonna do it. It's not gonna work. Protest. I think protests. I. I don't want to. I, I don't want to come off saying that protests are invaluable. I believe in right, for spreading the the word. But they are. It yeah. has to be more to it, though. I mean, it just can't be protests. You know, cameras. Cameras not gonna stop shitty policing. Um, if anything, if nothing changes, cameras are just gonna, just gonna televise lynchings of black people. You know what I mean? Because the, you know the the process the. Think about it. The process of which you can have a video, not from a cop though, from a, a bystander, and a video taping uh, a man getting killed by the police and nothing happens to him. It's fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then you have you know a, a bill in Illinois that's trying to ban uh, civilians from recording cops. You know how do how do you ban people from? From recording a fucking cop like that—that that doesn't make sense to me. Like you really want to hide the bullshit. Yeah, you, and you made the point earlier before we started recording that um, the idea of—I um, oh, lost my point. Uh, shit, I lost my point. Um, I wish I knew which part of what I said because oh, I remember now because you were talking about back. Back in the uh, let's say, let's just say Martin Luther King era, that protests were more effective because we didn't have social media, so the protests were more for awareness. Oh yeah! Right yeah, now, yeah. awareness is, is right, right, easy. Right, 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 yeah. Like, awareness is you can get awareness. Like, that was like yesterday. What was yesterday? That was today. Was that was, yeah, nigga, that was today. <laughs> now, I we had this conversation, but I didn't know if it was yesterday. But I guess I was saying like when they had in protests in the you know say for instance sixty, it, it wasn't widespread so fast. You know what I'm saying? It was, you know, they had to do pamphlets. They had to do, you know, uh, 
they did letters, you know what I'm saying, they communicated like that, but it wasn't instant. You know, now everything is so instant where, you know, you're you're finding out about stuff, you know, within minutes, hours and stuff like that. Right. Versus, you know, days and things of that nature. But, you know, they got the point across. But, you know, now, you know, everyone's talking about it, but it's like, what are you doing next? Like, what's the, you know, what's the, the next steps, you know? Is it going to take for people to boycott certain things for, you know, you know, for things to to, ha- to change faster and so forth? So, I don't know, man. I I really want to change bad, and I want to help anywhere I can. I just, you know, I think it has to be, the, the, the process has to be, you know, it has to turn into something else. You know, so hopefully, you know, that's going to happen. I really, I really hope that Detroit gets a stronger presence that, you know, we can, you know, be able to be a place where, you know, change to start, you know, happening here. You know, I hope that, and I really do, I believe, I really believe that the people, you know, the people in Ferguson who's been, you know, standing up and protesting and, you know, trying to make a change. Is you know is going to show through and you know change because I think I believe change really had to start to happen there and I think it will grow to other places. But shit, now you know you were saying earlier, you say yeah another black killed by police. You got you got to be real specific because it's not just you know uh, it's not one isolated incident. It's like shit everywhere. You know, go from New York to Cleveland to Cali to you know name the state and it's probably didn't happen there. You know, so hold on. Uh, let's take a break right quick. I need to handle something right quick, and then we can come back and All finish right. this conversation. Yep. And we're back. Indeed, we are. So before we start, she's crazy, niggas. Right. right. <laughs> before- this is the first time that we had to pause for something other than a piss break. I got a. <laughs> The craziest fucking message, dog. I had to like, I like, I get messages of Texas shit while we're recording all the time, and I respond to them and shit while recording is nothing. I got some shit that was so wild that we had to pause the podcast, and I had to like, <laughs> like take a moment to like go off on people. Like, it, like it's it's crazy, but um. Anyway, we back and um. Yeah. We, oh, what? Were you, you about to get into something? Oh, I want to say before we hit. Before we had uh, started the podcast, um, actually, it was yesterday I was I was telling I was telling Mike about um, the interview that J Cole did on Angie Martinez, and it was cool just to you know reference for the podcast, just stuff to talk about. So you know, normal our, our normal prep, we just kind of just drink and smoke and go over topics and stuff. So while we did that, we had played the, we had watched the interview, and it was about forty something minutes. And it really fueled the podcast. Like, his whole interview, uh, like, uh, someone on Twitter had posted that his interview was better than any than any advertising and PR that he could have ever did for the album. And not because it did anything, because the, the, the interview does nothing for the album. Like, it doesn't pub no, the album. No, Pub the album. But it just pubs, it, it pubs him as a person and... I think, I think it was probably one of the truest statements. It, it, it makes you, it makes you like like J Cole, even if you don't like none of his fucking music. Right. Like as yeah. a person, it just makes you like him. Like it's like he said so much that 
your favorite mainstream artist wouldn't say. Right. And, and, and the thing, at the same token, he held back so much as well. And you could tell he was holding back. You know, like, he didn't want to say, you know, the... It's almost like he wanted to say, you know, the Jay-Z's is holding us back or some shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. he, You know, but that's his boss. You know what I mean? He wanted to say those people. Like, he wanted to call out the 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 Rick Rosses and the you know the Outcast and any of these other favorite artists that don't do anything that's like socially popular, you know, it seemed like he wanted to call people out. He wanted to call out the Def Jams and the you know Sony's or you know whatever the case. But yeah, it was it was it was quite the interview. I would definitely uh, recommend you know if you got a cool forty minutes to spare. Uh, to check it out, but yeah, he. I mean, I, I, I'm biased because I've always been a a, a J Cole fan. Me too. Um, even from the, I think his first mixtape was the Come Up or the, yeah, the come, I think the it was Warm the Up. The Warm Up, Warm Up or Come Up, one of the two. I think it's Warm Up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he. I mean, he was dope. You know, he he said a lot of a lot of, a lot of cool stuff. You know, I, I, it was the fun one of the funniest parts. You know, when she asked him. About loving hip hop, and he was just like, "It's trash." Like, he said nothing else. He's like, "It's trash, just trash." Like he even say, "It's trash." He's just like, "Trash, <laughs> just, just trash." And that's one of my beefs. I cannot stand that fucking show. I can't stand the concept of it. I can't, you know, I I can't stand the way they shit. That was uh. Oh, this is like welding while recording, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Really, I, just, I really just try to light my cigar, but yeah, I think I'm gonna take off my finger. I got a regular fucking torch lighter and shit, but he's like putting a blowtorch to a fucking cigar. And I shit. have a cream brulee fucking torch that I use as my lighter, and yeah, but yeah. So he, you know, he sparked a lot of stuff. It was pretty cool. But um, J Cole's really been, you know, he he's been one of my favorite artists just just as of recently, just because of the stuff he's doing. It's like he's 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 touching his fans. Pause. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, he's not molesting his fans. No, he's actually getting out and you know he's interacting. His fans. Right? He's like you know he's he's sli- he's slipping drugs and their drinks to his fans. Like you know he had this thing where he I guess he was in Manhattan. And he was asking whoever had a signed copy, he would come to wherever they were and sign you know sign a copy. So you know he had posted a picture of some girl he had went to her I guess her job or wherever she was in Manhattan and shit like yeah. that. And then he had uh, he ran out of theater to watch Chris Rock's movie Top Five and had I think it was like I think he said the first fifty people who had his album you know come there and they could be able to you know catch a movie with him and stuff so he's like interacting man I, I really love that I just you know I don't see in the height of you know any of my other I just I don't see the height of any of my favorite which well, never happened actually you know you know any of our favorite you know artists. You know, I've never seen Nas just, you know, do something where he was just, like, interacting with folks or, you know, uh, a black thought, you know. Any of the favorite people I can consider dope people to me do stuff like that, you know. So, you know, I think I think he's, I hope he's changing the way artists are. I think, I hope artists will follow that same path of being, you know, being touchable, pause. <laughs> uh, you know, this being interactive with folks, so I, th- I, th- I thought it was a pretty cool gesture, though. Yeah, you know somebody who does that. I'm a, I would get back on J Cole, but like somebody who does that a lot, random is Ocho Cinco. Like Ocho Cinco will have like a thing where he'll say like, 
hey, um, I'm going to go to the movies, and everybody who comes, I'll pay for their movie ticket, we'll all watch a movie together. Like, when I was living in California, Ocho Cinco had, like, a whole lot of shit like that, where he would say, like, hey, like, uh, let's all go to lunch, or let's all go to go to the movies, I'm going to be here, let's all hang out. Like, he really hangs out with his fans. Like, That's dope. I, I never know that, though. Yeah, you, yeah, you, like, you probably don't follow him, though, but I, I followed him off the strength of that, because I was, like, you know, I was up on Ocho Cinco, but, like, and he tweets a lot of fuck shit, but, like, he it, he really, really, really interacts with people. Like, he will have, like, big group Twitter outings regularly. And I think that's mad cool. But, like, with J. Cole, like, with the J. Cole, uh, Angie Martinez interview, I thought it was dope because, like, he he says shit that, that needs to be said. And I, I likened it to our podcast because, like, I look at the podcast as a an outlet for me where, I, you know, I get to say shit that... I might not say on Twitter or I might not say in real life and I'll just, you know, put it out there on the podcast because I feel like it's shit that needs to be said. It might not be a popular opinion, but I feel like it's a conversation that needs to happen. And she asked him about his uh, his record sales and how he's going to be, you know, he's projected to do really good with his first week sales. And he, when she asked him how he felt about it, my initial response, my initial response to it was that he's probably going to say that it doesn't matter. And that's kind of what he did say because he, he kind of looked at it like, you know, I'm, I'm talking about what I feel is important and I'm reaching people and I'm getting in touch with people. And, you know, if I sell records, great, but that's not what I'm really out here for. And that's kind of how I look at the podcast. I'm like, a part of me feels a little salty that we're not more popular than we are. But a part of me is happy that we have an outlet to where we can reach people and we do have people who listen regularly and that I could say something that, I, you know, I need to get off my chest. Or just say something he need to get off his chest. And we can have a, 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 a dialogue where we're talking about we're talking about things in a real way. Not to not, you know, when you look on Twitter, you get people who tweet shit just for retweets and they just say shit they know is going to be popular. And we will say shit that it might not be popular, but we feel like, you know, this is what really needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And we can reach people with that. So when people hear that and they say like, oh man, that was great that you said that. I feel the same way. That means more to me than having a whole bunch of plays. Because like, you know, a whole bunch of plays, you can't really attribute that to shit. But if you have people who actually listen and say, you know what, I you know, I really like what you said. That was really good shit. And I'm glad you said that. I totally agree. And it's a, a, an opinion that's not necessarily popular. That means more to me than uh, having all these plays. So I, I, feel, I feel like the... Us and J. Cole, we can kind of relate in the sense of, like, we, we have a message and we, you know, we, we really want to get through people and say something serious. And if we reach 10 people who say, you know, that was some great shit, I feel the same way, you know, I appreciate that. That means a little bit more than having, like, no responses but having, like, a thousand plays. Right, right. I, I agree. I, 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 as much as I want the podcast to do so well, you know, I don't want it to become... Uh, I don't know, just commercialized. Commercial, yeah. You know, I don't want it to become that. I just want it to be something that people really enjoy. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I can't think more than that. Just hopefully, somebody you know, people join it just won't become you know. We're sitting here doing a bunch of fucking you know, fucking sponsor fucking uh, commercials and shit like. I, I you know I I can appreciate all of the you know the the, the dope interviews that Combat Jack have done, but if I hear one motherfucking more 
commercial for Bevel. God <laughs> damn, dude. Like, I get it. You know what I'm saying? But motherfucker, man. That's just like the end of... Like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I can imagine that Serio is going to become a fucking commercial field fucking podcast. Like, Probably. they're already adding so many more commercials. And I get it as far as, you know... I, I, I understand it, you know, but... It's what J. Cole said, though. He was saying the same thing about having a... Uh, he's a he, said, he was saying that all of us are sellouts. And it's as if, like, we, we're we doing something that we might not want to do, but we're doing it because we need the money. He's like, if you, even if you work a basic job, like you work at McDonald's or you work at Walmart or whatever job you might have, you might hate your job, but you do it because you have to, because you need money and you need to live. And he was saying the same thing. You know, you know, it's a lot of people who... You know, they you look put it in the rap. <clears throat> There's a lot of rappers who have a message that they want to get across, but they have to take into account the fact that they need to sell records to live. So they they need to make records that are gonna, you know, get iTunes sales and they're gonna you know have tour sales. You know, if they go on tour and shit like that. Right. I mean, yeah, like you say. I mean, it's like no matter where you work at, you selling something because it's like you know you you're gonna work you work somewhere and you you make. Eight dollars an hour, you know you're you know you're worth more than eight dollars an hour, but you got to pay these bills. So mm-hmm. you just go you just gonna work it out until you can do better. Right. But you know, it's few people, it's few people in the world that can really say that they they don't live at that standard. I mean, to that point, even the richest people, you know, have done it. You know, they just made more money. You know, it's like you 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 feel better that. You don't have to work for eight dollars an hour, but you work for a hundred dollars an hour. I mean, you're still working for somebody. You know, you're like it's like what was the, uh, so What value do you place on your time in your life? Right. You know, you ever see forty uh, forty year version? <laughs> Only a million times. Yeah. So he's like, oh, you somebody, nigga, with that nigga time. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like it's somebody you doing. No, that scene was like the best scene of the whole fucking movie, dude. That's a great, great movie, man. <laughs> that movie, oh, shit. that movie restored. I'm not gonna say restored, but that movie gave me faith in comedy. Because like, I don't really like comedy movies. I feel like they're not funny. I feel like it's like slapstick and shit, and people falling over. It's not too so many new com- it's new comedies that actually make me laugh like that anymore. Right, and like Forty Year Old Virgin was like, you look at it on on the surface, you think it's gonna be some like immature shit, but like that movie like really has some like. Genuinely funny moments that were based off of like real life and shit, and like that mm-hmm. that movie was so that movie was so good. I feel like that movie is like a was a, like a transition period from like slapstick comedies to movies that had like kind of like intellectual humor, like one liners and shit that you actually have to have some sort of a brain to actually get. So where you, the humor? If you is. name a, a few a few comedies that you thought was like one of some of your better comedies. What would they be? It would be that one. That one was great. I, I like all the like Jed Apatow, like Seth Rogen type movies mm-hmm. and shit, where they're like really good with words and like having like clever shit that they say, as opposed to like I don't. I'm not a fan of slapstick comedies where like people are falling and getting hit with shit and all that. So, but like Forty Year Virgin is one of my favorites. One of my other favorites is um, well, my all time favorite comedy is Dumb and Dumber. Mm-hmm. Which is ironic because you think Dumb and Dumber, you think it's dumb, but like Dumb and Dumber <laughs> was like one of the smartest comedies that I've ever seen, man. That shit was so smart and and, and the humor that they did in in making it dumb, like it was like dumb, but it was smart how they did it. And like so that's my all time favorite comedy. Um, 
I'm also a fan of like older. I'm just a fan of like, uh, like one-liners and like verbal shit. So like, I was always a big fan of like Marx Brothers comedies, like from like the '50s and shit. Okay. So like, uh, like Duck Soup is um, is an old Marx Brothers movie that is the shit to me. I was also a fan of a movie called Murder by Death, which is. In the title alone, it's, it's funny because murder by death, like as if you could murder somebody in any any other right, way. Right, right, But like, uh, murder by death was uh, made by. Um, it was in the same vein as the uh, Pink Panther movies. Okay. And um, it starred the dude who was uh, Columbo, Peter Falk, and uh, that movie was full of like crazy one-liners that I thought were like absolutely hilarious. Like you just gotta. You just gotta, they fire them off, you just gotta kind of pick up on them, but it's about like a, it's basically like Clue. Like, it's like a murder that happens, and they gotta figure out who did it in this house. Like, the, he, the, the owner, this, like, a rich dude who has a big mansion and shit, and he invites a bunch of people over for a dinner, and a murder happens, and they gotta figure out who did it. Uh, okay. But it's like a set, it's like a satire of, like, Clue, kind of. And, um, that's one of my absolute favorites. I absolutely love Murder by Death. And, um... Yeah, like shit like uh, 40 Year Old Virgin and um, uh, Knocked Up, I thought was uh, incredibly funny. Let me tell you about Knocked Up. I have this theory about Knocked oh, Up. Oh, shit. It's one of the you brought up. Knocked Up one of, uh, was a favorite of mine as well. But you know the concept of Knocked Up was, you know, you had this successful, you know, uh, entertainment, you know, chick who basically got knocked up by this wee head, you know, guy and blah, blah, blah. Right. I always felt that that movie would have never worked out if that was black characters. Expound. <laughs> if the movie was just black. If you had a successful black woman, you know, in whatever field she was, and she got knocked up by this wee head black dude and had no aspirations of life, that would have never fucking became popular. It sounds like a, like a bad Kevin Hart movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or, uh, what's the guy who, uh, had the fucking, uh, S curl, um, damn, what is his name? The guy um, who had the S curl. You, you like, got to come up with at least one more thing for uh, me to figure this out. No, I'm sorry. He he had fuck. Is it a movie? It's a movie. He always played corny characters, black skinny guy. Uh, um, fuck, I hate black when I do guy this. S curl. You have any idea what movie? Like any, like what the description of the movie? I, like what is it about? I want to say, who played How to Be a Player? Bill Bellamy. Yes, Bill Bellamy. If, if Bill Bellamy was in a movie, he was a fucking wee head ass dude, and it was fucking, I don't know, uh, Holly Berry was a successful fucking TV anchor or some shit, and he was just this fucking, you know, no good ass, weed smoking ass, this nigga on the couch. It would have never sold like Knocked Up <laughs> at all. It would have never done the numbers that Knocked Up did. Because but, I mean, let's be honest. There's no way that movie could have ever been as funny as Knocked Up. Because Knocked Up was mad clever. Oh, no, no, it was. Like, I mean, I'm just saying, just, just get the same, the, the same comedic value if they were to do it and it was black. I don't think it would have never sold. I just don't see... I, I just don't see yeah. them, you know... I, I don't. I don't see it, man. I've had I've had that conversation a few times with people uh, about that, and I just didn't see. I, and then I had people who just didn't agree, which is fine. But I don't see it being as popular, you know, as if it was if, if it was a black a black movie. I don't think it would have been as popular because I don't think it would have been as funny. 
I don't think anybody who would make a a black version of that would have written it as good as as uh, Seth Rogen or uh, well Judd Apatow would have done it. Yeah, I don't know. I just I just I don't know. I, and I, I think I was and, and I think I was real. That was a when I I think when that first came out when I had and I thought I was really in a, a pro black state and I'm just like they were, <laughs> <laughs> no one would really think you know who's a natural hair yeah like. <laughs> I was just like fuck this shit fist up to the shit man I hit on uh, your dreads and shit like right, no no right. they, they can't make a black version they of can't they can't do that but I think a few a few of the, uh, the comedies that I've always loved um, was uh, like I say old uh, old school is one of my favorite ones um, Will Ferrell yeah. Uh, I have the most unpopular opinion. I hate Will Ferrell. Really? Dog. Hate Will Ferrell. How the Ferrell, fuck dog. are we doing a podcast thirty fucking episodes? Ferrell, in and I, this might change. This might change <laughs> shit. This <laughs> is the last episode. Like, right. <laughs> but yeah, that's funny. Thirty, and we done. Yeah, right, right. It's been real. Uh, I do like old school, but I don't like Will Ferrell. Like I don't think Will Ferrell is funny at all. Really? At all? Like. Did you, did you, like did you, old school did, is literally the only did, thing you didn't like that he Step does. Nope. Damn. I like Step. I don't like anything he did on SNL. I don't like any movies he's done. Old school is literally the only Will Ferrell movie that I like. Really? Although I saw um, one he did with Zach Galifianakis that I thought was straight. Like it was a political joint. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it was a thing where like uh, he was like a. Politician and Zach Galifianakis was like a like a regular uh, homebody suburban father, and he decided he would run for office against him. It was like uh, the campaign or it was a campaign I, or something. I, yeah, like that. I, I think that's what you it was. Something, it was something like that. I thought that was decent, but um, like Will Ferrell it, as a whole, I don't fuck with him. At really, all. I don't like Will Ferrell at all. No. It's like <clears throat> it's undoubtedly my most unpopular opinion because he's so popular, and I do not get it. And there's people who like you. You have something where you just don't get it, and I don't get it. I don't get his popularity. I just don't. Really? That's. Uh, but I do like old. I like old school a lot. I thought old school was really good. Old school was one of my favorite ones um, by him. But I don't know. I've always uh, uh, liked him. I'm trying to look for the he. Now he did this one movie I really liked years ago, and it wasn't a comedy though. It was a. It was a drama, and it was called. Uh, and I'm, I'm searching for it now because it it, it leans off of everything. He it's total opposite. It had its funny moments, um, but you have the IMDb app. Yep, I'm looking. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm scrolling through okay, it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm scrolling through it right now. It was a uh, as a film major, the IMDb app is so clutch. Uh, I will see people in the movie like I know. So you like Anchorman? No. Damn it! I like Anchorman. I didn't like the sequel. Elf. I haven't seen Elf. How the fuck? You, how you never seen Elf? Because it has Will Ferrell in it, and I don't like him. Jesus like, I, like I, you have to pull my arm to get me to see a Will Ferrell movie. Like, I just do not like him at all. Like, I, I, I at all. I, I saw Old School, like, I've never seen a Will Ferrell movie in theaters. Like, I, only Will Ferrell movies I've seen, I've seen them, like, on TV after the fact. So, like, I saw Old School. I saw this movie with Zach Galifianakis. I saw... Anchorman, like, in bits... I don't even think I've seen Anchorman in full. I think I've only seen it in bits and pieces. And then, like... I think there's other ones that I've seen in bits oh, and pieces. Oh, it was, it was Stranger Than Fiction. 
Okay, yeah, I never saw that. I yeah. never saw that. Um, but I, I was, I was aware that it wasn't like a, uh, you know, a typical comedy of his. But I still never saw it. <laughs> That's funny. The shit you find out about people you know. God damn. It. <laughs> Every now and then, there's something, mm-hmm. and that's my something because I know the, I know everybody fuck with him, and I just don't. I I do not fuck with him. No, I never thought he was funny ever. No, I just I don't get it. Mm, that's interesting. Well, we'll come back to that one. Um, <laughs> so here's that one. Uh, uh, Animal House is one of my favorite ones. Okay, that's um, a classic. Uh, yeah, this is by far just a classic. Uh, Tommy Boy is one of my favorite. Yo, <laughs> that's crazy, dog. Because you know it was funny. Because like it's crazy that you were like that we would differ so much on Will Ferrell, but would agree on Tommy Boy. Tommy I Boy, love Tommy Boy. Tommy Boy is one of my favorite. favorite I love Tommy Boy. Favorite man. flicks, uh, and I'm not even really a Chris Farley or David Spade fan. Like I, I don't really like I'm not, them individually. I'm not, I'm not a David Spade. Uh, David, uh, I'm not a David Spade fan. Period. Like. He has his moments, you know what I'm saying? I mean, he was second fiddle for the most part in fucking Tommy Boy, so he didn't bother me as much. And then he played an asshole, you know, in the movie, so it made it easier to not like him, so I didn't really pay that much attention to him, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, that Tommy Boy is one of my, my favorites. Um, That's crazy. I, I don't ever think of Tommy Boy when I think of my favorite comedies, but I love Tommy Boy, though. I don't even know why. And then, like, I, I kind of, like, jumped on a Chris Farley... Now, I don't want to say bandwagon, but, like, I, I, like, fucked with his movies after that because I like Tommy Boy so much. Because they did, like, something like Black Sheep or something like that mm, after yeah, it. Yeah, Black Sheep, yeah. Something like that after that. And I was all on Black Sheep just because I like Tommy Boy so much. Like, Tommy Boy mm-hmm. is my shit. I, I don't even know if I would like Tommy Boy currently. Like, if I watch Tommy Boy right now, I don't even know if I would like it as it's much. People that, you know, it's funny. It's but when that, I saw it, that was my shit. It's people that watch old school that don't like... People who didn't see old school when it came out don't like old school, you know, you know, in this current time now. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's uh, a big factor when you see timing it. Timing is... A, yeah. It, it, but then it, it kind of takes away, like, is it... Is, are movies classics if people watch them when they work in their prime and don't like them? No. I don't think so. I think if you watch it, like if you watch it as like a twelve year old and you think it's the shit, and then you watch it as a thirty year old and you like, what the fuck was I thinking? Then it's not a movie that holds up. Because I think I, I think a lot of times I look at movies and I think like this is something that I thought was the shit as a kid, and I watch it as, as an adult and I think like, what the fuck was I thinking? Mm-hmm. So I think like it don't hold up. It it doesn't hold up if you don't like it consistently. And like uh, for me, Dumb and Dumber is held up. Like Dumb and Dumber is funny to me. Even right now, and like I still quote Dumb and Dumber in my regular in my regular life. Yeah. I will quote Dumb that's and like, Dumber. That's like that's like Animal House to me. Like Animal House will always be like that classic movie. Where I always it, it never gets old. Like I watch it every so often just to refresh myself on like you know quotes and shit. You know, right. the movie. But um, another one is one of my favorite ones is uh, uh, Favorite Black Hat. Um, that was mad funny. Which, which I was thinking, like, man, we named this movie. I haven't named a black movie yet. Uh, well, I mean, Coming to America and Harlem Nights are, yeah. are, are classics to me. Like those are mad, like mad funny. Like I like those. I like those a lot. Oh, Fear yeah, of Black I, Hat. I agree for a Fear of Black Hat. A white dude put me up on Fear of Black Hat. My boy Tom. Um, I, I, I don't know if you listen to the podcast, Tom, but like uh, Tom put me on. Uh, I called him T-Bone, T-Mac, or whatever. But he put me on Fear of a Black Hat. And I thought Fear of a Black Hat was really was really funny. Like, I, I really liked that. 
Yeah, Fear of Black Air. It was funny because my, my stepdad put me up on Fear because he had the VHS tape. And I used to, you know, watch, you know, he had watched it with my mom and I watched it. I'm like, damn, this is funny. And I started watching it tons of them when I started. I think when I met, like, Kellen and Chris and them, you know, they were, like, you know, big favorite Black Hat fans and shit. You Shout know. out to Kellen for getting engaged this week. Right, exactly. That was dope as fuck. Yeah. It was funny that we were, Kellen's like, been on the podcast before. Yeah. And we, it's funny. We were holding up the whole process. Like, we were sitting here chilling Smoking cigars and drinking, and we supposed to have been. Yeah, and we <laughs> held up the whole shit. He said, "Like when y'all be here, I'm gonna do it." And I was like, "Okay, well, we'll all right, we'll be there in like 30." And we got there. It definitely wasn't 30 minutes. Probably like, like 45. 45. But uh, when we got there. He was not bullshitting. Like as soon as we walked, I in, dropped my coat. I didn't get a chance to get a drink. I dropped yeah. my jacket. You know, and then he started going and spill. I'm like, damn, he was really waiting. I'm like, Fuck. I had to stop him. I was like, hey, yo, we need to get Matisse. Like he's behind the bar. Like he he was gonna do it without Matisse. I'm like, we gotta get, like, ain't you gonna get Matisse from behind a bar? Right, like, like we done came to his establishment. You yeah, know, so like, he, was, he, was, he, he started to do that shit as soon as we walked in. I was like, damn, shit, I feel kind of guilty now. Like, you legit was way for us. Right, and I was like, damn it, dude. I felt so bad about that. But yeah, shout out to Kelly and getting gay. So I was like, yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's dope. But yeah, so that was, a, yeah, I mean, uh, so how'd you like, uh, and then I think, uh, what's the other movie? Uh, uh, Go Get You Sucker. Was uh that's a good one. one of my you know favorite ones? But that's uh, another one that I haven't seen as an adult. Really, I liked it like I liked it when I saw it, but I haven't seen it now with like thirty year old eyes. So I don't know if I would still like it. I think I think the thing you notice how archaic a lot of shit was when you started watching those older films and shit. Um, I, I saw that when I was I think I was watching. Yeah, it was off comedy, but uh, the movie The Warriors. The Warriors? Warriors the came... recent? No, no. It's fairly recent? No. That's not oh, okay. recent at all. Re- the Warriors came out between 78 and 80. Okay, no, I haven't seen it then. Really? Okay, yeah. Put that on your list of movies. Uh, is it a comedy? No, it's not. A, that's why I was like, it's, it's, off, it's off the subject oh, okay, because I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm sketchy on comedies. Oh, yeah. The uh, Warriors was, was about a, a gang summit. And all these gangs went to meet up at this gang summit because it was like this big gang leader... And you know, the gang leader gets uh, gets shot, and this one gang at gets, the summit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Funny, a gang leader gets shot at the gang summit, and so this one gang gets blamed for it, but they really wasn't the ones who did it. So huh. all these gangs from the city is trying to like get them because it's like a bounty on them and shit like that. Who's in that? Um, it's a lot of old fuckers that I don't recall. Huh. So um, nobody who I recognize. I think you would though. I think it was a um, it was folk. Like I said, this is seventy. You said from the seventies? Yeah, it's like either seventy eight between seventy eight and eighty is when that came out. Um, so it may be some some old fuckers that you know what I'm saying right. you, you you may recall, but you uh, you remember in one of the Bad Boy songs when he was uh when Puffy was hitting the glasses to my Bad Boys come out yeah the, the, the bottles yeah, yeah that came from that movie. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I had um, no idea. Yeah. Um, that came from that movie. Um, I was trying to look up some of the... I feel like I'm losing credibility. Like, there's going to be a comment like, how have you not seen this shit? Oh, uh, James uh, Ramar, uh, Dexter's dad. He was in the movie. Dexter's dad? Yeah. Remember, his, yeah, Dexter's dad? Yeah, I know you're talking about, yeah. but like, he was in that? Yeah, he was in the movie. 
Um, there's a lot of there's a couple of other folks. And that's the only person I remember that was you know memorable in the movie enough that you would know you know saying for something recent. But he was in the movie. There was a uh, there was a lady in the movie who was the. Uh, he said it's called Warriors or the, the, Warrior. the Warriors. The Warriors. Yeah. Yeah, you get saying look up the cast and it's, it's, so it's a white dude that was in a game movie. Yeah, now you now you would notice. I assumed it was like black shit. No, nah, that wasn't black shit at all. Now you would notice there's a black woman. Her name was uh oh yeah that's her yeah that's um, that um Lynn Thick Thickpin. She was a DJ at this radio station who was like you know every now and then they would like cue to her and she was like going you know talking over the air talking about this gang and stuff like that. Uh, she's one of those evil black women that you've seen in different. Like she was in, uh, uh, what was the movie? Uh, the school movie. Uh, There's been so many school movies. Um, damn, I get so. I swear, I wish I could. I, I wish we get to the point where if this, our podcast gets so popular, where we have like people work for us. And we can like go through the moments where I have brain farts and <laughs> like, hey, look that up real quick. Right. <laughs> but she she played in um one of the, the school movies, uh what was the school movie do with the principal and you know, he had locked the doors and shit. Lean on me? Lean on me. She was one of the parents in uh in Lean on Me. Oh, one okay. of the evil fucking parents and shit. But she was a radio, the radio DJ in that movie or whatever. Okay. But yeah, that was a good. That was a good one. Yeah, I'd say put that put that on your list of shit you never seen that you probably should see. Okay. Um, but yeah, good shit. Um, so back to unless you had something else to add for movies and shit. No, I just want to uh, again reiterate reiterate I'm not a big comedy guy. I just don't see comedies like that. So speaking of non-comedy movies, you saw Exodus. Yes, I did, unfortunately. <laughs> and now I don't want to see it, but I want to see it because of your review, because I've talked to you about it previously, obviously. But, so it it, it, it didn't, it, it wasn't, yeah, that. Think about Exodus, man, like, it already has a whole bunch of controversy surrounding it with, like, Christian Bale being contact, right. Christian Bale being uh, Moses and shit. And, like, to me, like, I'm not a religious person. We've had this discussion, but, like, even as a non-religious person, I was offended. Because I, I looked at it like, why is this shit like, not loyal to the story with the most important shit? Like, okay, so I asked you last night, I was like, what's the first thing you think of when you think of the Moses story? And everybody who would answer that question would think of Moses part in the Red Sea. Exodus completely threw that shit out. Like, he didn't part the Red Sea at all. And for me, how do you have a, a movie based on biblical times and you don't you don't bring up the the most the most important notable part, part yeah. about that person? Like I told my uncle, I was like, man, that's like having like the Titanic movie, but having the Titanic sink because somebody like because ISIS bombed it or some shit. Like it's not <laughs> like everybody knows it hit an iceberg and it sank. Like so, if you go see Titanic, you think like, okay, when, okay, you know, at some point it's gonna hit an iceberg and sink. So you waiting for that. So seeing Exodus, I was waiting for the big moment where he parts the Red Sea because I'm thinking like, okay, you look at the Ten Commandments and you you know other movies that have been done on the same story, the Prince of Egypt and shit, and the um the the big money shot pause is a, is for um parting the Red Sea. 
And in Exodus, he threw his sword in the water and then took a nap. And when he woke up, the water was drained. I'm like, like a bathtub. And I'm like, I've been waiting for this. I was thinking like it's 2014 big budget movie. I'm waiting to see what this part of the Red Sea is going to look like. And he don't even do it. The shit drained like he like he pulled the fucking drain out the bathtub and the shit the water was gone. And yeah, that's terrible. I, I'm not that's even hyped. To me, man. I'm not hyped to even see it anymore. Like I'm going I'm going to watch it just so I can see the the fucking train wreck of it. But I'm not hype anymore about it. You gonna see that I'm not exaggerated. Like it really was. No, like, I, he took yeah, a nap and like he woke up and it was drained. And he woke up and he looked like he saw the hilt of his sword was visible. So obviously that shows that. The, the water drained to a point where the, the hilt of the sword was visible. And it was like, are you really skipping over this? Like, is this really not about to happen? I mean, there's so many pivotal parts in, you know, the Bible where certain people played certain roles and you knew they, they were related to that. So you think of Jonah, you always think of the whale. So right. it's like if you just skipped over the whale and it was never no whale, like how the fuck are you even <laughs> yeah. talking about Jonah? Exactly. Like, you know, or it's, yeah, exactly. Or you know, saying Noah and the Ark, like you know, there was no Ark. Like how the fuck did you, you see the Noah movie? No, I the didn't. Russell Crowe. No, this that motherfucker had Transformers in it, dog. <laughs> like it was like they had like <laughs> had like uh, I don't know. I guess God sent down some. I I can't even really. Put it together in my head, but it was like rock monsters or some shit, and these rock monsters were, I don't know, helping him and shit. It was it was crazy, dog. It was like totally off the wall, and they looked like fucking transformers and shit. And in uh, Exodus, another part that fucked with me, like after they had a real sea shit, to me the movie was a loss. I was like, okay, this movie is fucked up. But then like the it it. Completely glazed over the creation of the Ten Commandments. Because, like, the idea is, like, okay, people are wilding out to be a mad sinful, we need to have rules. And then, like, the way it looked like, the way it was, was like, okay, so they had, um, they had God embodied in a, in a little boy. So, like, you think of the Moses story, you think of, like, okay, so he had the burning bush incident or whatever. The burning bush thing happened... But it was like there was a burning bush in the background and there was this kid who was who was supposed to be God, like God in the person of this kid. And so that happened. But then at the end of the movie, when they're doing the Ten Commandments shit, the Ten Commandments portion, uh, Moses is sitting like on a mountaintop, like way above everybody else who he's, who, who he's freed from slavery and shit. And he's looking down on them and they're like, all you can... All you can hear and see is people laughing and music playing. And Moses looks at God, who is, again, this little kid. And the little kid is looking like, nah, fuck that shit, nigga. And then the next scene, it cuts, and he's, like, chiseling Ten Commandments. And I'm thinking, like, so that's, that's what prompted the Ten Commandments was, like, him hearing, like, laughter and music. And, like, okay... We need to put the kibosh on this shit. Like, we can't have niggas laughing and having a good time. We need to make some rules. And God's looking like, nah, fuck that shit. Niggas laughing. No, absolutely not. <laughs> and, like, I, I was like, this is how the Ten Commandments was made? Like, niggas was, like, having a good time? And it was like, no, nah, we, we need to shut that shit down. Mm. I was like, 
this is ridiculous to me, dog. Like, you could at least, it's a PG-13 movie. People may get killed throughout this whole movie. You could at least have, like, some some sort of sin going on so he, you can justify the creation of the Ten Commandments. Like, you can have some people getting killed, some, you know, some stealing going on, or at least some suggestive dancing or something. Like It was nothing like that. It was just laughter and music. And they were like, you know, fuck that. And I was like, this is ridiculous, dog. Like, they're just going to glaze over the Ten Commandments and just... <laughs> Ooh, that's hilarious. I want to see it now. Still, I mean, I did. I kind of. I was kind of. If I, I was kind of leaning like if I seen it, if I seen it or not. But now I want to see how much of a fucked up train wreck it is now. So yeah, I look at it like religious people were already people in general were already offended with Christian Bale being cast as Moses. They're gonna be way more offended when they see it and see how disloyal it was to the actual story. Because, like, I know another another thing that I thought about was, like, uh, Moses was generally, he was, God was working through Moses in the story. Moses had his staff, and the staff was, like, used to, to do shit. Like, so you think of it like, okay, so he he puts the staff down in the, the Red Sea parts, or he puts the staff down in, like, the plague start or whatever. And Moses didn't have no staff. Like, he, he gave away his staff randomly as fuck. At some point in the movie. So he didn't have no staff. So I was thinking like. <laughs> religious people are going to be sick dog. Like he, like this shit is not loyal to the story at all. I'm like. Well what Christian I hear. Bale being, Christian Bale being cast is like the least of the problems of that movie. Well from what I, from what I hear. It's, it's, uh, it's not getting great reviews. So. Or not, And not making a lot of money. Yeah so. I mean I think it's all going to come to pass at all though. The bad casting, the, the the bad, the bad everything that's happening is just gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna bite the ass, you know. So, but I'm definitely gonna find it on the internet and and check it out because I'm definitely not. You know, it's crazy when people make shitty Bible movies, and I'm like, wow, that's mad offensive, right? Hey, God, I don't the, even care. The fact that you can tell me that it's mad offensive, I was just like, yeah, that's something. And, and so and I, and now I'm really curious, curious to see it now and shit. That's funny to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 a mess. <sighs> Hilarious. So, in other news topics, so to speak, music this year. So I've been I've been it's been a rough year. I've been looking. Yeah, it, it it's been a real rough year. And then it just comes to like the last month of the year when like shit's been like kind of popping. Like J Cole came out last week, I believe. Um, Super kind of held it down. Prime came out, which is uh, works to five nine and um, dog. We I think we kind of need to tell people about uh, Primo because, like, if we just say Prime came out, we might have listeners who who are like knowledgeable. But for the, for the most part, I think we don't really have people who who know how big of a deal it is to have a collaboration album with Primo. I, I don't. I don't think. Well, yeah. I mean, Primo has been out for you know years. And it's definitely been one of the premier you know DJs of our of our time period. And you just wonder why, like, how wouldn't people use him more? Like, I just don't get it. Like, you know, he's been he's shown uh, to be top notch in all the shit he does. Like, I I don't get it. Yeah, Primo Primo has been behind DJ Premier has been behind like 
a lot of the great projects that have happened in hip hop history. So if you have a, a a rapper who's a strong lyricist, like to have him work with somebody who's a premier beat maker or DJ or whatever, like DJ Premier, like this that's an opportunity you need to take advantage of. And that hasn't really happened. Like this is the first time that somebody's made a collaborative album with Primo that is it's just him and Primo. And that prime album with with Royce Five Nine, that this was like Hip hop needed that shit, and fuck yeah, people people are feeling it, but it's also kind of like a, a sign of like, like you said, why are more people doing this? Like primo primo collaboration albums need to happen with these strong lyricists who have a message, and I know a lot of the shit that I seen was like, why hasn't Nas done this yet? Man, Nas is so great. He's so great at pulling bullshit fucking production out. Right, man, it gets on my fucking nerves, dude. Man, it gets on my nerves. Where's the Nas Primo album? We all want to know. Now, the one thing that I don't know if you're familiar with about the album, but it was produced uh, um, by a guy named um, Adrian Young, which from and I have to read more into it. And I think somebody may, uh, especially your uh, homeboy. Uh, um, I thought like it was gonna be somebody I hate. No, your homeboy who comments on that. As oh, Kev? Is it Kev? Is Mono, Mono? Mr. Mono? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he would probably correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that all of the samples came from Adrian Young's music. Adrian Young's the guy, he does music and so forth. And I believe that he, he primarily produced it, and I believe that all the samples that uh, Primo used was from Adrian Young's work. I watched the uh, Boiler. I don't know if you're familiar with Boiler, Boiler Room, but they do a lot of. Uh, I am not. They do a lot of uh, live DJing and so forth, and they had you know uh, Royce Primo and Adrian Young on there because that one song on there, um, um, you should know. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the song, he's talking about Adrian Young. I wasn't familiar with Adrian Young um, previous to that, but he talks about him on there, and then when I started reading about it. I'm almost certain that he had to use samples from him, as I guess as far as their you know idea for the album or whatever. But dope shit though, uh, despite all that shit, dope album. Probably it's probably going to end up being the best rap album that came out this year. Probably yeah. Um, I hear some good albums came out this year, but um, I don't think it's anything is going to. Hold up to that. Black Milk album was dope as hell. Um, uh, Freddie Gibbs album was pretty dope this year. Had um, heard it. Uh, I kind of figured that too. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gonna it's gonna hold up. It's probably the better album of this year. Period. And probably into the mid next year, unless something great comes out in 2015. So that's a good. This is a good smooth transition. Um, we we talked about J Cole and we talked about. Uh, his interview and shit. In, in, the, in the interview, they talked about uh, the Chris Rock movie, Top 5. And um, Angie Martinez asked him about his Top 5. So, Top 5. You ready? Yeah. yeah. I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like you, you, you have I haven't. I have not thought about... We're talking about Top 5 rappers and like or hip-hop artists or whatever. I have not thought about this at all. But we could, we could talk about it right now and I'll... I'll I'll 
think about it as we go. But any any order or just top five? I would say let's try to do it top five in order. I can't so, do just it. to make it interesting. Try to do it in order and we'll see if we make it in, make it interesting. So I, I like it's, it's a good conversation. It, it, it's been popular. Everybody's talking about their favorite rappers since I don't know since ever since I started listening to hip hop. We talked about favorite rappers like back in high school, middle school. We talked about it. So we haven't talked about it on the podcast. So. I, I, I think in the honor of Chris Rock's movie, which neither of us have seen, we we get uh, talk about our top five rappers or artists or whatever. Let's keep it to hip hop and let's do it. Let, let's 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 have this conversation. Okay. Although one of my top ones, if I have to go in order, I think I have tied for one, which makes even being top six, but. We don't have to limit it to five, but I don't want to like run off like ten names and shit. But like, let's try to keep it to five. But if it goes six or seven, fuck it. Well, so okay, so I'll go from order and best to worst, or least to greatest to least, or whatever. So if I had to go one to five, it would probably be Nas, Tupac, Jay. Common tied with uh, Andre 3000 and then Black Thought. Was that five? That's six, actually. Okay. I guess if you have a tie, uh, fourth tie, I guess, that would push Black Thought to six if it was basically Nas, Tupac J, Common. But then I feel like I'm leaving. Ah, shit. Well, I mean, justify justify your picks, man. Like, why do you choose who you choose? Like, you know, that that like to help you. Iron well, it I out. think. Well, I, I I chose Nas as one because I felt Nas has been one of the better storytellers. Uh, I picked Tupac because I felt that he was a storyteller, but I I felt that. I think he was he I think he was gone too soon that you know people wouldn't realize the the goodness of you know stuff he did. Um I picked Jay because of I guess longevity. I think he's been able to 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 be around and kind of adjust with you know the changing of the culture. Um I picked Common because I think he I I picked him I picked him because he's been able to 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 stay with the culture. I pick, he's low because I felt that he's tried to change with the culture and it kind of diminishes, you know, a lot. Are of, you pick? Are you picking him because it's, it's it's a good pick or because you really fuck with him like that? No, I fuck with him. I'm just saying as far as why they rank the way they rank. Okay, like I, you know, Jay isn't number one because I don't think he's the greatest storyteller. I thought, you know, I, I felt Tupac and Nas had better stories to tell. Um, comment. I would. I wouldn't feel him higher than that because although he had he had he had great delivery stories, I felt that over the over time he he tried to change his he had, he tried to change to fit whatever the culture was and it didn't work out like Electric Circus or you know his right. past album actually you know he he was rapping like he was trying to like gain new fans that are like twenty right you right. know what I'm saying. Um, Andre thousand because he didn't. He just need. I think he needed to do more solos to be better. Um, and then I blacked out because I felt that he just needed to do more. 
Like he's been a he's a great he's a double agent. He probably you know would you know in a in a one on one he would probably wrap circles and probably around my other uh, higher higher choices. But he doesn't you know other than Roots albums you know it seems like you don't get him out there much. And so right. That's kind of where I'm at. But then I feel like. I've left off, you know, I have other people that I, you know, think about, like, maybe, could, you know, Tali, Kali could have made it, fucking Most Def could have made it, uh, shit, you know, Scarface is one of my favorites, uh, M, definitely, um, and I feel like I, I probably should have inserted M in probably one of these spots, and that's why I'm like, damn, coming off the hip, it's just... I feel like I'm fucking up. <laughs> so, but go ahead, man. I, I, I've kind of done my eyes, but. Man, for me, like, the way I rank my artists, I rank it based on uh, a combination of of their lyrical ability and the the quality of music that, quality of music that, that they make. So, um, I think I would probably put Nas as my favorite, just because like Nas, he gives a good mixture of uh, the lyrics and the actual quality of the songs and music as a whole. Like he's not all lyrics. He's like he can, like you say, he's a good storyteller. He can he can make a good song. Um, Eminem, I would probably put second because. Eminem to me is the best lyricist that I've ever heard, like ever, and it's not even really close. Like as far as what, like for me, I'm a big fan of like the English language and like just words and as a whole. And like he's like a masterful, he's like a master at at using words and lyrics and and all that shit put together to make like dope ass lines and. All that shit. So, to me, I think Eminem is the best lyricist of all time, but not the best rapper of all time. Because I don't think Eminem can make the best songs. Like he he can make he has he has a couple of classic albums, but he he suffers from being able to make a complete song or album, especially right now. Like right now, I feel like he's at his peak lyrically, but he's not. At his peak, as far as making songs and albums, um, Andre 3000 is is uh, in there because I feel like creatively he's amazing. Like he's he makes great music, so I don't look at Andre 3000 as like a guy who makes great uh, who has great lyrics or who does anything singularly. I look at him as like a dude who just makes great, great, great music, who's creative and and forward thinking. Um, I uh, see. I said Nas. I said M. I said Andre. Um, uh, you said somebody else who who I like a lot. Um, Tom and Jay, Tupac, like the oh Tupac. Tupac was my next one because like Tupac isn't a guy who I look at as a great lyricist necessarily. Right, but I look at Tupac as a guy who make another guy who makes great songs, and then I, and Tupac gets added points with me for his his outlook on life. Like 
it doesn't really have to do with his music, but I feel like Tupac was really, really great in the sense of uh, what he contributed to the culture. Yeah. Like I feel like I feel like if Tupac had lived longer, he could have been the guy that that we need right now. Like I feel like Tupac was alive right now, he would be so instrumental in this movement that we want to have against uh, you know cops killing black folks and all the the injustice that we suffer right now. I feel like Tupac would be a great voice for that movement, kind of like a a rap Malcolm X or some shit. Like I, I look at Tupac as like a a really great figure. So like I like I like this music. And I thought he was dope, but like, I write him more off of his, uh, the impact that he had. Because like, he died at like 25 or 26. Right. And he was like incredibly insightful for somebody at that age. Like, he, he had a really good, he had a really, a really profound look at the culture and, and what life was like at that time. Like, he was, he was really smart. And that's, Something that you don't really pick up on in this music because you think of Tupac, you think of like All Eyes on Me or something like that, where it's like a good, it's like a good rap album, but it's not like some shit that's like profound. He's just like, oh, this man could have really changed the world or some shit. But you watch his interviews, man. It's an incredibly smart dude who had really great thoughts, and he he was really forward thinking, and he was just like really insightful. Like I, I really feel like he could have been really inspirational right now if he was still alive. So like he ranks higher than me off the strength of the fact that he had great albums. He was a pretty good rapper, but like I feel like he would have been so instrumental in the culture and for black people as a whole, he would have been really, really influential. So I rank him in I rank him high for that. And then um for me, Jay Z, like I don't I don't like I'm very indifferent on Jay Z, man. Like I feel like, I feel like he gets more props than he deserves for his longevity. But like at the same time, I listen to his recent shit, like his current shit, and I think like, eh, he's. I would actually borderline say that Jay Z is like whack at this point. Like a lot of the shit that he puts out is like not good at all. But there was a moment when I was in L. A. and we were. Uh, somewhere and we listen to um like old Jay-Z shit and his old shit is like lyrically is like so much better than the shit he puts out now I don't even really understand why he puts out the shit that he puts out now like the shit he puts out now is like trash to me man like his bars are like garbage at this point like he's like like I said like he's borderline whack at this point as for what he puts out like lyrically but in his prime he was like really, really good, but I wouldn't put him in my top in my top five. I would probably throw like Kanye in there. Really? Yeah, I'm I'm a big, 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 big Kanye fan. Like I'm I'm re- I'm a real fan of like the music that he makes because I feel like I wouldn't put him as like a top five rapper, but I'll put him as a top five artist. Like he's he makes really, really good music as a whole. And he's changed his style up, and he's like made like uh, you got um, his uh, the Yeezus album, and you got like 808s. Like 808s and Heartbreak to me is like a great album, man. It's not, and it's not like a great rap album because it's not really a rap album, but it's like a great album by a rapper. 
Right. So, like, I look at, like, Ada Waze is, like, a really great musical piece. And he's really good with the art. And, like, I, I really respect him for that. Like, he's a piece of shit as a person, for <laughs> right. the most part. But, like, his music is, like, so impactful, man. He's, he's like, a really great artist. So, I would say I mentioned uh, Nas, M, Andre, uh, Tupac. Tupac, and Kanye. I think I'll put, like, these are the guys who, like, if they went on tour or some shit like that, that I would want to be there just because I feel that music that, that much. So, I think that would be, I think that would be my five. Sounds good. I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I mean, you got your reasons for, you know, the, their levels of, you know, the ranking and stuff like that. Because it varies. It's not like... I, I hold all of them to the same standard. Like, okay, no, I don't. You're, yeah. you're a lyricist. Or you're whatever it is. It's like I, I like them all for different reasons. And I, I rank them based on how much value I put on what they do. So like, I, I, rank, I rank Eminem as a lyricist. I rank Andre as a creative. I rank Kanye as a creative. I rank Nas as a like storyteller. I rank... Uh, who do I keep forgetting? I keep forgetting the same nigga. Like <laughs> I keep forgetting somebody. Tupac, Tupac yeah. I, I rank Tupac as a like a revolutionary. Like I feel like he was more important to the culture than he was as like a lyricist. Like I, I rank Tupac more as like almost I almost rank him more as what he did outside of rap as what he did as a rapper. But like he he still has classic albums. Like you look at. You know, all eyes on me and, and uh, uh, me against the world. Yeah, me against the world and um, strictly for my niggas and that shit. So he's good too. And then like outside of my top five, my personal favorites like uh, Dr. Dre's big. I'm a big Dr. Dre fan because I'm a big fan of like the West Coast gangster rap shit. So the Chronic is like like you like if you look at like Tupac, his albums, his albums. I don't think I would write. I wouldn't write any of any of his albums as like my favorites, but like the Chronic is like one of my top like five favorite albums. Snoop, Snoop has been like Snoop is like a mediocre rapper, but like Doggy Style is my favorite album of all time. Uh, you look at a guy like Will Smith, not somebody you look at as a great rapper, but his uh, home base album was one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, man, I haven't heard anybody mention that album in God knows how long. Man. Summertime is one of my favorite songs ever in any genre ever. So you know, and Will Smith is a Will Smith is a very very good rapper. Like he don't he doesn't get credit because he got discredited because he don't cuss and shit in his raps back then. But he's a really good lyricist that that's really slept on. And Summertime is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, it, the, Summertime goes... I mean, that, that was a part of, you know, the, the greatest songs of the 90s. Like, you know, that's, right. that had to rank probably really, really high. Of, it's my number one. You know, of, number of, one. of songs, you know, so... And it just to randomly throw it out there, uh, Mystical's first album is one of my favorite albums of all time. <laughs> I love Mystical. Okay, yeah. Mystical's first I'm album. His first album, okay. It was called Mystical, but then it was like it came out again as Mind of Mystical. Either way, whichever one you choose, Mystical's first album is my one of my top 
I would probably put it in top five. Like I love Mystical's first album. So if I if I rank like my favorite albums, Mystical's first album will be in there. Um, uh, Doggy Style is number one. The Chronic is in there. Uh, maybe like the Marshall Mathers LP or uh, what was the one after that? Uh, why am I drawing a blank on the name of it right now? The one that has Superman on it. Uh, that was. Damn them show or no? No, that's not it. Why am I drawing a blank? Oh, I'm failing myself right now. Damn <laughs> show. I want to say Eminem show, but I, uh, I'm not. I'm not totally sure. But yeah, the one that had like Superman on it and shit. Like that was another. That's another one that's great. So yeah, my, my shit varies based upon a number of factors. But I'm pretty solid on my on my picks in my top five. So it was what? what the, it's the Eminem show. I don't know why I'm acting like I don't know. It's the Eminem show. Yeah, I'm, looking, I'm trying to. I was just going through his albums like, eh, what's it? Yeah. Because you had, yeah, okay. He had he had Slim Shady LP, <clears throat> then he had the Marshall Mathers LP, and then he had Eminem show. After that, his album quality deteriorated deteriorated greatly. But at that point, I look at those as three borderline classic albums. To me, the Marshall Mathers LP is not even borderline. That's classic. That's that's a great piece of work. That's a flawless. That's flawless. It's a masterpiece. The Eminem show is. On that same level, it's close or on that same level. So it was an Eminem show. Then it was a, what encore? Was encore after Eminem show? Yeah, skip that. That was trash. <laughs> and I only like the one. I only like the one song on there. That was uh, I think it was towards the end. That one had Nate Dogg in the hook. Was that on that one? You're thinking uh, Till I Collapse? Yeah. That was on the Eminem show. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Forget whatever album I said. <laughs> it was trash. <sighs> yeah. But unequivocally, my favorite rap album is Doggy Style. And my favorite lyricist is Eminem. And my favorite artist is probably... Well, my favorite artist is still Eminem because he's local. So, I'm a stand for him regardless. But, like, Nas is probably my favorite person who puts the whole package together. At least he did back then. Like, he put the whole package together. Yeah, it's really Andre hard. 3000 needs to put out more solo work. Because his, his fucking... That, the Love Below was a masterpiece. And I don't throw that word around often, but The Love Below was a masterpiece. No, nah, that was that was one of my 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 favorite albums, and I, that was amazing. That I was an amazing piece. Because I didn't, because I didn't dig. Although I like I liked a few songs off the of speaker box, I didn't enjoy it nearly as much as I thought. I enjoyed Love Below. No, I don't think anyone did. Like the Love Below was a masterpiece. It was a it was a musical masterpiece. It wasn't even like a rap masterpiece. It was a musical masterpiece. Like the Love Below was phenomenal. Just music in general, like yeah. any, any cross all genres. Like Love Below was. Leaps and bounds over anything that came out during that time. Yeah, for if a you while. can if you can cross genres, then you you killed it. So you can look at like 
the Marshall Mathers LP, you know, like, this was a masterpiece rap album. The Love Below was a masterpiece, period, musically. So, yeah. But he doesn't have anything else to go off of. So, it's like, yeah, you love Andre, Andre 3000 as an artist, but all he really has solo is The Love Below, and that's it. So, you just gotta roll off that. But that shit was great. I'm with that. Now I want to like, like go to listen to uh, Love Below. Cause I haven't listened to that album in a minute. I think that might be in my, my playlist of the next couple of days now. Yeah. So before we wrap up, where are we at? Okay, we almost at two hours. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to talk about one thing. So we had, um, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks ago, we had a, a question from Gardner who has been inexplicably absent lately. We haven't had anything from her lately. I, I think she's she been on be, a social media break. Yeah, she might be going through some things. We haven't heard from her in a minute. But um, she uh, sent us an uh, email about what it's like dealing with people who you know ex- exclusively through the internet. She said she lost a friend who uh, was somebody she knew only online, and she she was. I remember that moved was, by that. Yeah, somebody like in Texas or something that she had never met. It was funny. She's you know from you know. Is this Australia? No. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. You're right. So somebody that's here is obviously thousands and thousands of miles away or whatever. Yeah. So she had somebody she lost online that she was cool with online and. This person died, and she was like blown away by that because she was like, "It's a different kind of mourning to uh, to lose somebody that you really have never met in real life. That you only know this person on the internet." And she asked us if we have ever ex- experienced anything like that to have to mourn somebody that we only know online. And it was an interesting discussion, but neither of us had experienced that. Uh, so. Uh, What's, what's this Sunday? Um, about a week, a week, a week or so ago. About a week ago. No, I'm stopping. <laughs> <laughs> trying to throw my skull in the air. And shit. <laughs> about a week ago. Uh, so I, I kept it quiet because I, I don't like to share too much shit. But um, my my father passed um, this past Friday. Not this past Friday because it's Sunday, but the Friday before this one. My father passed and. Um, we we did the podcast like two days later, and I I didn't mention shit about it because I, I I didn't want to. But uh, there's an aspect of this that I kind of want to talk about right now on the podcast, and it's because she asked about internet relationships, and my father was very uh, involved on the internet. Like he wasn't a big internet person in the sense of like he had Twitter and all that shit like that, but he had. He was very involved on like internet forums, and he he developed a very big following in forums. So he had like a lot of internet friends, and when he passed, like a lot of people showed up. Like I was in a hospital like daily at this point, and I was meeting people that knew my father online, but had never met him in real life. But they came to the hospital because they were like, this is a dude who 
in some situations, they had known him for 10 years online, but had never met him in real life. But now that he was, like, on his deathbed, they were like, holy shit, this dude that we've known online for 10 years is dying, and, like, we want to, you know, come see him and show our support and, you know, meet him and shit like that. So it was, it became very real to me, the idea of, uh, seeing somebody in real life that you only knew on the internet. So her question about if we ever knew anybody that had lost somebody on the internet that they had never met in real life, and I said, like, you know, I don't know anybody like that, but the shit became very real for me. And it was a very, very interesting scenario to meet people who cared a great deal about my father that had never met him in real life. And it's... it's it's an interesting life that we live in right now where you can uh, develop relationships online, like completely relationships. Like, and it's real as hell, dude. It, it is real. And like people will be like, oh, it's just Twitter or it's just Facebook or whatever. But like that shit is like, it's really real. And like these are people who, who never met him and they came through. Like, you know, he's dying. Like, this is crazy because like we've known him online for like 10 years and... It's a, this is a real person to us, and that that was a crazy concept to me to have to deal with, like not deal with, but like to meet people who, for the first time, who felt like they knew my father like intimately, like we know him like really well, like we've dealt with him and talked to him and had like deep conversation with him for like ten years, and that had never met him in real life before, and like that that really hit home to me that she asked about. What it was like to uh, lose somebody that you only the, the the different aspect of grieving over somebody that you only know online, and when she asked it, it didn't have any real uh, meaning to me because I experienced it. But like now, it's like it's crazy because like my father's uh, memorial services this weekend, and I feel like we're gonna get a kind of strong turnout. Like I thought we were we weren't really gonna have. It. Have a strong turnout, but like he's got so so many internet friends and shit like that, and and all all these other avenues, and like I feel like we're gonna get a strong turnout, and like just go to show you that this internet shit is real, man. Like yeah, you can really uh, build relationships online. I think we're in the in a moment in 2014 where it's like you know you would laugh 10 years ago about having a strong relationship with somebody that you only know online and it was taboo, but like. Right now, that shit is real, man. And what's crazy is that you know, you know, your dad was on forums. Like forums aren't even are even talked about as you know the most the the biggest social media stuff is like Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and stuff like that. Right. But you know, people don't even speak about like using forums to like communicate. You know, it just shows that those are still relevant. You know, for people to meet each other online and, you know, have a rapport and things like that. And the fact that he's been on there, you know, 10 years, at least from you knowing. Right. You know, that just shows that, you know, the relationship's been built that long. I mean, because, shit, that's longer than, you know, I'm pretty sure it's 2014. I, I think I just may have got on. I don't know if I got on Facebook back 2004. Like, I don't I, know I was. Facebook? Well... If it was Facebook, definitely not Twitter. Um, right. You know, so to be on a, a social networking platform that long, you know, 
it's it's just it, it, that says a lot. But you know, I've met tons of people who you know I've befriended from social media, and 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 that just shows that you know you can you can in fact it's not just that forum. It's not just Twitter. Or yeah, like meeting like pe- meet people online isn't taboo anymore. It's not like a thing like where you can devalue a relationship because you only know them online. Like, we don't live in that world anymore. Like, 10 years ago, you might be looking like, okay, I met so-and-so online. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck that. That's bullshit. Right. But, like, now meeting somebody online, look, look, that's real shit. Like, you can really build solid relationships online. And these are people who have, like, come to me and have, have like, you know, uh, presented, themselves to, presented themselves to me in the fact of, like, you know, I know your father and I've... I've you know, I know how he felt about you, and you know I'm here for you. If you need anything, and these are the people who are trying to establish like real life relationships with me, based upon the fact that they know my father online. Right. That's, so like that's that's crazy to me. That's that's been a real eye opener. I feel like my father's memorial is on Saturday. I feel like on Saturday I'm going to meet a lot of people who I've never met before, who have never met him before, that are going to come through in honor of him. That never even saw him in real life. Or people who didn't see him. Like, I met mad people in the hospital who had never seen him in real life until that moment. And that's crazy to me, man. Like, I can't really wrap my head around the idea of, like, uh, having an online relationship with with a person to the point where if that person falls upon bad times that you are now involved with them in real life, like, okay, now I want to come to that person's funeral, I want to meet them at the hospital, or, you know, this is a person who's had an impact on my life to the point where, like, I feel like this is a person who I want to be here for, and, like, that's not, that's not common, like, a lot of people, like, will downgrade the importance of an internet relationship, and I think we're at a point right now, this, to me, is proof that we're at a point where, like, this shit is real, man. I mean, you got internet relationships that you you talk to people on say Twitter more than you talk to people that's like your blood relative and stuff, right? Especially on a regular basis, you can log on to Twitter and talk to people two or three years, and you haven't even seen a random cousin, you know, from four or five years ago. You know, that's what it, it just it just for me it confirms that you know relationships trump any any other bond. You know, I mean, whether it's blood bond, just because you know you're you know blood related doesn't mean I have a relationship with you. You know, so. Yeah, that's dope, man. I mean, it's it's sad. It, it on one end is sad. On one spectrum is sad that you have to you you find this out because of a loss, you know right. what I'm saying? But you know, on the plus of it, you know, it just it just shows how social media and, and meeting people online is, is is dope as hell. So I think it's also it shows to me it shows to the listeners of this podcast how much I value. The making of this podcast because, like, for me, it's an outlet. Like, it's an opportunity for me to get shit off my chest and give my opinion on stuff. And I, I made sure to tell you, like, you know, my father died yesterday, but we're still recording the podcast tomorrow because I need this. Like, this, this is what we do, and I, I didn't mention it at all in the podcast last week. And that's because it was like it wasn't so much about me trying to like put it out there. It's like you know. The podcast to me is my outlet. That's my time to like. It's almost like my solo time as an introvert. Like even though you're here, it's like a my opportunity to be like to. It's, it's like a diary almost, kind of. You right. know, 
So even though I didn't talk about the shit, it's still like my time to like get shit off my chest. So you know, I didn't mention the shit, and we recorded the podcast like forty eight hours after my dad passed, and I didn't mention the shit, and it was like it was just it was an outlet for me, and. Uh, the idea that so many people could come out so strong for him that had never met him before was crazy to me. Like, it's still crazy to me. I'm still bucking off that shit. Like, I'm, I'm bucking off the fact that I'm going to meet people on Saturday that I've never seen before. And people who uh, knew him in the 70s or knew him in college or whatever. And all kinds of people are going to show up that they're going to be meeting me for the first time. And I'm going to be meeting them. And, and they're like, you know, hey, this is... You know, we haven't met before, but it's a big deal. Yeah, I think, you know, the fact that you recorded right after, you know, your dad passed, it, it, it doesn't take away from you, you know, not thinking about your dad, but everybody mourns differently. You know what I mean? And some people... A lot you of know, people have had to tell me that. Yeah. Because I've had a lot of weird, guilty feelings about yeah. how I've reacted to it. And a lot of people have told me that, like, different people mourn differently. And yeah, like, it's That's true. It's true as hell. It's not even... It's not... It's like, you know, some people may see it as a cop-out, and I just want to, you know, it's like, yeah. But, no, people, you know, I think when my when my dad passed, I just wanted to just stay busy and doing stuff. You know, I didn't want to just chill. Because I felt like the more I chill, the more I was chilling around, I felt like the more I chill. Like, that was past tense and chill. <laughs> I like that. We need we to start that. I like that. Chill. Chill. Like, I like that. <laughs> I, I, I chilled, and then, you know, I, I, after, I, I finished, uh, after I chilled, I got up and, you know, ran a mile. Um, I think, the you know, people, you... I, I just wanted to be active and doing stuff, you know, just to take your mind off of it. So, you know, everybody has their way of, you know, there, you know, there's no no simple way to just sit around and mope or, you know, whatever the case is. So, you know, whatever feels right for you, man. So, so before we wrap up, I, I, I feel like we're fortunate that we're, we're not going to talk about Bill Cosby this week. Because <laughs> before we were thinking about, like, we were going to talk about Bill Cosby for like the eighth week in a row and shit. And, we're not going to have time to talk about that shit, and I'm kind of grateful for that, because I don't really feel feel like talking about Bill Cosby, but before we wrap up, like, I think we do need to acknowledge what took place tonight, which was um, Kobe passing Michael Jordan. Oh, yeah. In an uh, all-time scoring lead. Like, that to me is, like, a huge deal, because, like, Michael Jordan is widely considered to be the best basketball player of all time, and, like, for him to be passed in the scoring league is... It's a big deal, especially for it to be Kobe, who people try to devalue what Kobe has done consistently because they don't like him. Well, yeah, it, it, I've been I've been seeing a bunch of stuff about the whole devaluing thing about you know it taking, whew, excuse me, it taking more years or take you know more attempts and all that stuff. But I mean, scores are scores, and you know as much as people want to you know hold Jordan up to this you know pedestal being the greatest, which he is still the uh, greatest player, you know, he, even, even Jordan left the greatest player and still wasn't top two in st- scoring. Right. You know, so, you know, I, I think it's just a great accomplishment, you know, put every, everything else aside, you know, although I don't, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> Kobe may not even make the playoffs this year. May uh, not. No, he won't. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> he won't. <laughs> but, and I don't know if he's going to play next year. I don't think it will. I think I think the only reason he played this year is because he knew he could pass Jordan. I think that was like his goal was like let me pass Jordan, I can hang it up. I, th- I don't think he's gonna play. Th- I don't think he's gonna even play next season. But like, 
the thing the thing for me that really stands out is that like people have been trying to take away from Kobe forever, dog. Like they're like, okay, well he's not Jordan because this, he's not Jordan because that, and I don't think anybody really wants to argue the fact that Kobe is better than Jordan, but I think we need to I think we need to have the discussion of the fact that he's in the conversation, like not even in the sense of like he might be better, but like I feel like as somebody who grew up watching Jordan and who watched Kobe. I feel like Kobe's the closest that I've seen to Jordan. And I feel like he kind of, he doesn't get his just due because everybody wants to take away from him. Like when he won his three titles with Shaq, they were like, oh, he only won because he had Shaq. And it's like, okay, come on. Like the man won three titles with Shaq. Like, yeah, he, yeah, Shaq was there, but he still, it's three titles. Like he won right. it. And it was, well, I don't he think... dominated the game for forever, man. This is his 19th season, man. Like. What no? I'm, wait, nineteen? No, eighteen. Eighteen season. But like, he's he's been doing it for a long time, man. He's been great for a long time. And like, you can't I mean, you think of a kid, him like you that. think of a kid who came out like like he like twelfth or thirteenth pick out of the draft from fucking high school, right? You know that was when you know coming from high school wasn't popular. You know what I mean? Especially being that good. I mean, you had many a players that came from high school. You know, around that time, it didn't do nearly as well, you know. The, before him, it was Garnett, and that was it. Yeah. Like, there were probably other people, but, like, before him, like, Garnett I mean, was, no, like, the guy. Right. And then it was Kobe. And then you've had many other ones, but they never, never, you know, other than, like, a LeBron, you know, never fit the, fit, fit the bill that he does, you know. I think, well, yeah, I think Jermaine O'Neal came around the same time, I thought. Uh, uh yeah, around the same time, yeah. Yeah, but you know, he he, he there was there's never going to be another Kobe though, you know. Which is not going to be the Jordan, but he def, if you had to pick someone that you know would be, you know th- that would have been the next Jordan, Kobe would be be that person. Yeah, it's, it's like Kobe has been like Kobe has been the closest that I've ever seen to Jordan. And it, the thing about it is, like, he doesn't have to be Jordan. He doesn't have to be the next Jordan. He has to, He doesn't have to be better than Jordan. But he he deserves all the accolades that he gets. He deserves to be respected for what he's done. And I don't like the fact that people take every opportunity to, to devalue what he's done. They're like, oh, he won with Shaq. Or, oh, he's plays in this era. Or he's done this and he's done that. And it's like, what a, what a real... What it really boils down to is like, man, Kobe has been like the closest Jordan that there's been, and he's been amazing. Like he's been great. He's been like a, a amazing contribution to the NBA. And like I don't even like him, but like I can still respect the fact that right. he's been amazing. Like he's been great. He's a great, great player. And like I, I, I I'm personally a fan of the fact that he passed Jordan just because of the fact that he. He deserves that. He, earned he deserves it. that recognition. Yeah, he earned it. I, I, I feel he did. I, I feel that if he didn't, if he hadn't passed Jordan, I think people would devalue his contribution. Yeah, they would still use it as a knock more. against him. Like, right. he never passed Jordan. But right. And like, but as soon as he, he passes passed Jordan, him. they say bullshit as far as, you know, it took longer or years and all yeah. that bullshit. So. Like, he passed Jordan, but, like, like, you can't really look at it like, well, he passed Jordan because blah blah blah. It's like we well, passed Jordan. Let it be, man. He he did he did everything. The man has five rings. He's passed Jordan. He's done so much for the league, and he's done so much in his career. 
It's like, okay, just let him have the idea of uh, he's been great, and he is the closest to Jordan that we've ever seen. They're like, they're, their styles are similar, their stats are similar, and, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he's done it. And just let him have that. He's been great, man. I, I personally, as an NBA fan, as a basketball fan, I feel privileged to have seen Kobe for his entire career. Because, like, for me, Jordan, I saw, granted, I saw Jordan in his prime, but I didn't watch Jordan from a rookie progress to what he was and then retire. Right. Like, Kobe, I've seen that. Like, I, I, I was watching when he came to the league. I watched him pro- progress, and I've watched him do what he does. And Kobe's been amazing, man. And, like, I, I, I don't like him. Personally, but I, I, his 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 accomplishments are yeah. you can't deny that shit, man. He's con- amazing. His contributions to to the NBA is, uh, is 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 awesome. So you can't you can't knock that. Yeah, when it's all said and done, man, Kobe's gonna be an all time great, and there's nothing that can be taken away from that. So I'm glad that I'm glad that he passed Jordan because I feel like that's like irrefutable proof that he was the truth. And it's not irrefutable proof that he's better than Jordan because I don't think he is. But it's proof that this is a man who has legitimately been great for his entire career. He's been on par with Jordan, and he deserved the recognition. So I'm happy that he passed him, man. It was I, I never thought I would see it, honestly, because I thought Jordan was the best that's ever happened, and he still is. Jordan's the best to ever do it, and I, I didn't think anybody would ever be better than Jordan. And Kobe's not, but the idea that the fact that he passed Jordan scoring wise is is significant. He had way more time <laughs> to do right. it, but still, it's it's still incredibly significant, and I'm glad to have seen it. I'm glad to have watched this era yeah. where I, Kobe was where Kobe dominated. But when Kobe when Kobe leave, I just want him to leave. I don't want him to come back and pull a Jordan going to the Wizards type shit. I just want him to just go. I and think you know he will. Yeah, I, I think he's gonna hang it up after this year. I think he realized. I think he came back so he could pass Jordan and have that accomplishment. And it's probably it for him. I think, yeah. I think he's gonna hang it up after. Don't this go year. play baseball. Don't come back into Warriors. Don't you know? Just 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 leave. You know, leave it. I mean, it's not like he's gonna be less of a player. He's just gonna be the great one of the greatest players. You know, he's gonna be named in top ten of players. You know. When all is said and done for years to come, so I think he might. The only way I see him coming back is if in a complimentary role, like uh, I don't think he could take a complimentary role. I don't think he could either. But that's the only scenario I can see him doing it, where he just says like, "Okay, I can pad my stats and possibly get another ring as a uh, complimentary player." Like you think yeah, he he can do it on Oklahoma City, but like. Yeah, Something like that, where like you you got a Durant on a team, and then Kobe is like, you know, the, the next guy or the guy who's like the next option. It, it wouldn't work in Oklahoma City, but like maybe like New Orleans or something like that. You know, where you got Cleveland, huh? Cleveland? No, honestly, <laughs> no, I, no. <laughs> I, I can't see Kobe and LeBron being on the same team, but maybe like New Orleans, where like. The team's built around Anthony Davis, and they say, you know, we can have Kobe as an like a, you know, a, uh, added part. That's funny. Yeah, I don't know. I I'll say I think once he's done, he's or done. Houston, something like that. Well, it doesn't work with Houston because like they got Harden, and then like uh, who did I say earlier? Uh, Oklahoma City got Durant. 
they play similar positions and they have right. similar games so it don't work out. But like something like Oklahoma City, not Oklahoma City, uh, something like New Orleans where they they build their team around Anthony Davis and he's a center and they can be like, well, we can add Kobe and he could you know help us get over the hump or like the Clippers or something like that. Hopefully that nigga just pick up some hobbies and say, fuck it, don't come back. I don't want to see him come back. He should retire. I think he should retire. Absolutely. But the, again, at the same time, coming into this season, I thought that he was going to be far less effective than he is. And he's still very effective. He's still a good 20 points a game dude. And like, to, again, that's a testament to how great he is. Like, he's still a good 20 points a game dude. Like, it just if you're still putting 20, 20 up a game, why are you retiring? Well, because, I, yeah, I mean, it just sucks that he can still do that and still have a garbage-ass fucking team. And they're not going to even... Like I say, it'll make nowhere near the playoffs. I mean, because obviously you want to play at a high level, but you want to be able to play at a high level with a team that y'all are going to play at a high level, at least get to the point where, you know, a postseason is even, you know, in question. But now, shit, nah. At this point, he's just going to score out the ass and, you know, pad the numbers, and then he's just going to, they're not going to make the playoffs, and then he's going to be done. So, I thought like the fact that he's done all he's done with the same team. Right. Now that's a that's that's, that, rare. that's cool as hell too. Yeah, that's rare right now. Now that he's done it all. That's the like eighties, early nineties NBA. You know, being able to you know like most of the guys in the Celtics. You know, during that era, you know, era to be able to just play play one team and you know stay there and shit. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but that's all good things at the end. Uh, <laughs> 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 thank you guys for listening again to the thirtieth and. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> find us on Facebook, Twitter, Stitcher, Stitcher iTunes, iTunes, SoundCloud. At this point, y'all know all of our links, so. Yeah. Uh, we, uh. So, if you wonder where to find us, you're a fuck off. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> we, 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 we tweet, we post. There's nowhere you can't find us. So, if you right. don't know where to find us, you're a fucking up. Right, so. Anyway, see y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>